and welcome aboard the Battleship Pretension. I am Tyler Smith. I'm David Bax. And thank you for listening. David. Yes. How you doing? Oh, this is this is the fourth podcast I've recorded today. <laughs> I have been running so many errands. I, I got up uh, I got up and I've just been driving around like increasingly doing podcasts and filling my trunk up with stuff because I'm running all these errands mm. and and it's just been a, a, a long day and it ain't over yet because we got uh, an episode that traditionally will be quite long but we'll try and keep it yeah keep it uh, a I'll little... try to not have a lot of opinions well also um unfortunately we even though we I, I think I teased on the show that Josh Fadum would be as usual coming on for our summer movie preview we could just couldn't make it work yeah like scheduling wise for all three of us there was one thing or another that we just we tried everything. We could not make it work. It, it happened for me. It happened on this show, and it happened on more than one lesson as well. We've mm-hmm. been trying to book a guest, also named Josh. No, not Josh, my co-host. Another Josh that isn't Fatum. Probably not. But like, it's weird that I'm juggling like three Josh's schedules right now, <laughs> and it's just uh, it's just so frustrating. And like, and what and what eventually happened with all of them is like, look, we'll just wait and see, you know. And it's uh, very frustrating. It's. It's uh, you know what it's it's one of those things. It reminds me of um, a documentary about uh, Citizen Kane, and there's a, a a clip of an older Orson Welles saying, you know, it's like I've spent so many so much of my time doing things that have nothing to do with making a movie. You know, mm-hmm. it's, I've spent two percent movie making and ninety eight percent hustling. Uh-huh. It's no way to spend a life, and that's how the documentary ends. Um, and I feel like, you know, like. I've had to learn basic HTML code, mm-hmm. and you and I've had to try to learn how to juggle people's schedules, and you've had to penetrate the bureaucracy of the studio system to get us screenings, and just like, <laughs> film school didn't prepare us for this at all. Like, this has nothing to do with yeah. talking about movies. Yeah. It, it's fascinating. I hope you do people you know, appreciate it. Uh, it's funny you mentioned the studio system, because there are, like, as far as the screenings, there are only... a they're all, uh, I don't want to say. Not all the studios give us screenings. Right. Um, and You have said who doesn't in the past, by the way. Um, well, okay. I'll, I'll say this. There is no studio that has never given us a screening. Okay. But um, there are some where it's, where it's rare. And then there are others where it's uh, like, I want, I, I'm not afraid to say like, Disney and Universal are both my best friends because mm-hmm. they always invite us without want to know what we think without my even having to ask. Yeah. They invite us, you know, where other places like if I ask, they'll usually invite us. Mm-hmm. And then sometimes there are places where I'll ask and they will either ignore it or tell me no and tell me that we our website is too puny. <laughs> yeah, I, but, I'm fascinated by Disney because there's it's their general attitude is like, hey, we want as many people to, you know, we want to get the word out. I, yeah. That's not what they're saying, but part of me is like, you're Disney. You really don't need <laughs> yeah. us. So I think you're going to be fine. Yeah, but uh, I, I really appreciate that. But that is actually what I'm thinking about Okay, these studio movies because most of what we get as screenings is independent foreign art house. Mm-hmm. Um, not, not all of those. Right. Like, the uh, all three of those things separate not movies that are only independent foreign art house movies (laughs) but uh those are the things that we get which is fine because that's kind of what battleship pretension is a lot of the time you know Um, i think so yeah uh i mean we never like put it in our mission statement but that's that's just where our interests tend to lie in, in not in you know i mean there are plenty of podcasts out there 
who are talking at length about you know the Iron Man movies and 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 the stuff that we're going to mention today in our summer movie preview uh, regularly, and I, mm-hmm. that's just uh, we don't need to put more of that into the internet that's already shows doing it very well. Yeah, and so it doesn't bother me for the most part that we don't get um, uh, screenings, but I was thinking about how I. Um, We'll definitely be going to see The Hangover Part 3 as soon as possible. Yeah, I saw that tweet earlier today. Because, um, I have, yeah, I'm just looking forward to it so, so much. And I like, you know, there are people out there who write movie reviews who feel this way about Michael Bay's films. So I don't feel guilt. Like, I guess, uh, I like Todd Phillips is to me as Michael Bay is to Rudy Obias or our own Scott Nye. Yes. I, I like I like Todd Phillips a lot. I'm really okay. looking forward to the Hangover Part Three, but then I was. It, it got me thinking about like I didn't even try to get that one, you know, because Warner Brothers usually. Uh, although Hangover Part Two, we did get a, a press screening for that, so maybe mm-hmm. I should have asked. But I didn't even bother asking. Um, and I just I was like, wondering what was the last uh, studio movie that I saw. Not not the website because the website has gotten we got Iron Man three yeah. recently we got a screening for that um, we didn't get Star Trek. Um, uh, by the time this goes up, there will be a, a review on the website by uh, Sarah. Burks. Yes, but I'm saying we didn't get a press screening. Although the person at Paramount was very nice. Yeah. Uh, about about that, Paramount's one of the nicer ones. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, so I went through my my records, and I have not seen a like a big studio movie. Like I've seen stuff from like. Paramount Vantage and stuff like that, yeah. you know, but a big studio movie since 21 and over at the beginning of March. Hmm. Uh, and that seems to be increasingly true of me that my, well, my also- consumption of movies is in, is less studio every year. It seems like, but also it's a combination. I think it's probably a combination of things. I think it's, you know, you you write for the site more than anybody else, and so you have to take what is available to you. And I know for for me, it's I have I don't have a great deal of time in any given week, and so if an opportunity to see a movie comes up, I'll probably take it. For example, I saw Star Trek Into Darkness yesterday, mm-hmm. recording this on Saturday, and so I saw it on a Friday. I saw it opening day, which I never do because uh, I don't like dealing with crowds, and so. Um, but my, but I had a bunch of friends that were going and it was kind of a send off for a friend of, of, of ours who's uh, going to be moving. And so I was like, I, I guess I should go to this. But part of me was like, Hey, you're going to see Star Trek earlier than you expected. And you're seeing a movie. Just be happy with it. You know, and just, and in that same way, you know, you're, you're not, a, you don't have a boatload of time on your hands either. No. And so like. You're it's like, I'm seeing movies. I'm just, I'm seeing them for free for mm-hmm. the site. I'll take what I can get. They may be big. They may be. They may not be. But how much of it is that, and how much of it is interest? Are you interested? I mean, you're you're interested in Hangover Three. Are you interested in Iron Man Three? Are you interested no. in Star Trek Into Darkness? No. Like, I was Man interested. Of Steel, in, any of these? No, I was interested in Oblivion, and I was okay. actually supposed to see that one. In my uh, that I was supposed to go to the press screening. My grandma died. Scott went instead. That's right. Yes. Um. So I was interested in Oblivion. I am interested in The Great Gatsby. Yep. Um. Do you know what's at the cheap? theater that used to be right by your house that uh-huh. i that i would if i could find two and a half free hours would totally go pay three dollars to see what's that uh jack the giant slayer 
yeah. Or as I like to call it, Jack the Giant Slayer. <laughs> um, oh, that's that's fun. I love I love that kind of uh, that kind of humor because you never think about it. Yeah, <laughs> just like look, you got your average size slayers. <laughs> this guy is a giant slay. He's he's like seven feet tall I, and he kills people. I get so much fun out of mispronouncing things, either like with the wrong emphasis, like that, or just like today I went to uh, a Barnes and Noble, which. Nothing gives me more joy than calling it Barnes and Nobles, because like I feel like that's something a person could accidentally do if they were oh, if easily. they weren't really paying attention to what the store is called. Yeah, you're like oh Barnes and Nobles. Uh, yeah. Like I, I know I've told this story in the podcast before. Sorry that uh, sorry douchebag guy who commented <laughs> on the website um, hates me repeating stories. But I, that was the most often when I worked at a video store, the way that people would mispronounce the names of the movies mm-hmm. was just pluralizing them. Just I remember Beautiful Minds was one that mm. they... Uh, <laughs> and they're getting it mixed up with a dangerous mind. Well, no, neither one is plural. I know, I know. That's... <laughs> okay. Well, no, Dangerous um, Minds, that one oh, is... Oh, it is. Okay, yeah. yeah. I never saw it. You're thinking you're Dangerous right. Methods. Yes, that's, that's what, what you're thinking. getting it mixed up with. Um, I'm so far... I'm so confused. <laughs> um, anyway... And yeah, I, I guess to get back to the main thing, it is partially uh, interest. Uh, it's probably a lot of it. No. Yeah. Um, anyway, I don't know what else there is to say about that, but I was just thinking about well, it. Well, and and this does lead to a, a conversation, and I know you mentioned uh, that you think this could be a whole episode, and I think it has been. I think we have sort of talked about this, that like... You know, like you're you're kind of taking the uh, taking the hit. You're not taking the hit. Like some of the movies that you see, you're interested in um, a lot of them. But yeah, I I don't feel guilty about snatching up a press screening for a a much buzzed about independent release like a Stoker or Before Midnight because of all the bullshit that I go see. Yeah, you you earned it. I think. And by the way, I should say, listen to what I'm saying. I see mostly independent foreign and art house movies mm-hmm. and most of them are bullshit like yeah uh, I, i'm not saying that studio movies are the only place where crap exists like the number of just middle brow like bourgeois Ooh. liberal like half-assed art movies that i see that it's just like, I don't know why I'm being nice. I can name them. The company you keep is bullshit. Yeah, and uh, ill-timed. Uh, <laughs> it came out right around the same time as the Boston thing. Like, yeah, it's like, oh, yeah. maybe domestic terrorism isn't noble. And I think I was nicer to the movie in my review. Because the thing is, the company you keep is not unpleasant to watch. It moves along. I, I think Lem Dobbs' screenplay has a lot to do with it. It really moves along pretty nice. I didn't know nice. Lem Dobbs wrote it. Okay. Yeah. And with, it, that ca- with that giant, great cast, yeah. like... You could do a lot worse. But when I, but then when I also, when I think about something like other things I've seen this year, like Spring Breakers or Before Midnight, mm-hmm. it's like, you know, how could I, like, how could I have a clean conscience advising people to go see the company you keep when there's things like Spring Breakers and Before Midnight out there? Okay, and that, that leads to a question that I have. So, when you only have a certain number of hours in a day, 24 actually, uh, and you... David Bax, not people in general. You are seeing 
this, you know, whatever, who cares, it's fine, but really, what's the point? Mm-hmm. You're seeing that, like, that's time that you're not seeing something. Yeah, the stack big. of things I have at home that yeah. I haven't watched. Like, something big that you want to see, small that you want to see, it doesn't matter. You're not seeing that. Yeah, I still haven't watched the, the uh, I, I got the, I think you have it too, the Kino um, Blue Angel Blu-ray. Oh, yeah. Still great. in the wrapping, because I... Have you ever seen it? I've never seen it, no. I was happy when I, like... It's you what, got it to review, yeah, yeah. I bought it. Oh, all right. And I haven't opened it yet. <laughs> yeah, it's and then of course I, I it sat on my shelf unreviewed for a long time and then finally I'm like, I got we we better review this. And uh, and I did. I was like, why did I take so long? This is come on, this is a wonderful film. Yeah, so that kind of stuff is just sitting there. But that's the thing. So now because of what you do be, you're you are kind of and I I don't say this in a in a pejorative way you someone could accuse you of being out of touch you're not able to see because you don't have the time to see movies that other people have have seen i am able to right now at any given point go and talk about star trek or iron man 3 because that is those are choices that i made because i don't write as much for the site i don't see Mm -hmm. as much for the site and so like and you are unable to do that does that would does that bother you i at the risk of sounding like a snob, I wouldn't be seeing, even if we didn't do this podcast, I wouldn't be seeing Iron okay. Man 3 or Star Trek Into Darkness. But if you did not that have a That sounds really snobby, and I know it is, but... But if you, had a, if you did not have a day job, and you were a professional critic, you'd see all of them. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. And uh, I don't know, I guess... I, it's it's not so much that I have a, I have a question, it's just something that... Uh, I guess, uh, more than anything, I want I want the listeners to understand what at the very least what you have to deal with because like you do take a lot you do take a lot of the screenings and i don't when i say take i don't mean you snatch them away from the the hands of of eager uh writers it's but sometimes i do feel like sometimes i do feel guilty when i when something uh, and then i remember like yeah I yeah you earned that stuff. it's fine yeah. and so like yeah and it's just one of those things like and i think it is possible when you're not seeing, you know, the last studio movie was a movie that I forgot existed that you saw. Mm-hmm. 21 over. What, what? I don't even remember what that is. And so, like, I'm not asking you to explain it to me because I don't care is mm-hmm. the other thing. And so, like, so that's the last studio movie you saw. And so I do think that there can be a shift in, like, the way you, the way anybody at this point, I'm speaking generally, the way anybody can see movies if they uh, just find themselves, you know, you are seeing independent, foreign. Mm-hmm. What was the other one? Art house. Art house. Like, that's what you're seeing most of. And so, like, I feel like that can kind of warp a person. Just as much as seeing only blockbusters can Mm -hmm. warp a person when they have to see something that isn't that. Do you feel like that's happened at all with you? I guess I don't know. I'd have to talk. You know what? It probably has, I think. Because sometimes um, when I listen to... The other podcast that I mentioned who talk mm-hmm. more about blockbusters uh, or, or just big studio releases or big genre releases than we do. Um, I do feel a little lost sometimes. Okay. Yeah, I guess that's true. But you know what I was thinking? So, yeah, 21 and Over was the last studio movie I saw. I think the last studio movie I liked was Jack Reacher. And that was okay. December? Yeah. So that's been six months. Yeah. I guess. Five months. I don't know. Yeah, five months. I- Oddly enough, and this is something I, I tend not to... I mean, obviously, you know, Iron Man and stuff like that. Those are those are studio movies. Couldn't be more obvious that that's what they are. I, I tend to lose track of what is considered a studio film and what isn't. Yeah, I, you know what? Uh, that's interesting because 
I think the the way I often can remember is um, because I'm seeing most of them in you know press screenings. Is I can remember yeah what screening like what was this what room was this in was this in that like a tiny room you know yeah off of Rodeo Drive which is where the uh, the one is that has all the free uh, candy bars. Um, That's a well-run screening room. I like it a lot. <laughs> yeah. it's, it's no Wilshire screening room. That one is really comfortable. I like that one a lot. Very comfy. Yeah. yeah. Um, or did I see it at, um, you know, uh, did they rent out a room at the Arclight and, yeah. and, and, and cram it, which is uh, how I saw Jack Reacher, actually. Yeah. I think. I think that's how I saw Jack Reacher. Yeah. Anyway, that's not here. That's not yeah. the But that can be kind of a, well, and that's, yeah, okay. This could be a whole episode, and if we're not careful, then that's what it will be. So we yeah. just, uh, yeah, it is It is something that uh, as time has gone on, like, and as I've said before, there are times, I know that my my tendency, I was talking about this with a friend of the show, Jason Eakin, last night, that, like, the thing that you, like, the thing that you love and want to devote your life to, the minute you decide I want to devote your, my life to it, it actually requires more discipline than it would appear. Yeah. And... F- for example, like there there are movies that I still need to review, but also movies in general I need to watch, but I'm not watching them because I'm watching something maybe a little easier to watch. Yeah. And so like do you know um no, you finish I finished. And so so that's the thing is is you know, I look at the the my my April where I saw movies that I that a lot of my friends, a lot of my like film lover friends, they had seen years before. Uh-huh. And it took me a long time to see them, but I was busy seeing these other things. And I know, and some people said like, it's like, well, Tyler, you have, you know, you, you are more aware and you have seen more like mainstream movies than most people. And, and part of me is like, who gives a shit? Like, I mean, it's like a, any moron has seen the, like the more mainstream things, but, and that's the thing. But I remember, but like- I think that that changed my mentality to the point where it was harder for me to embrace like, all right, I'm going to watch this movie that is very much outside the mainstream, both in the way it was made and the way it was received. And it's just like, all right. Like it seemed like more of a chore to me, even if I wound up loving it. Um, well, first off, yeah. Uh, remember what Harold Ramis said when he spoke at our school, even though we weren't there, but I read the transcript. Um, cause I think it was a year before we started. Yeah. Uh, he said the average American goes to the movie to, goes to a movie theater five times in a year. That's insane. <laughs> which, neither, um, which neither of us believe. I feel like he's lying. <laughs> but no, then I think about like how often does my mom go to the movies? Maybe about five times a year. Uh, no, I mean more now. I think um, that all the kids are moved out. She's got more free time. Yeah, yeah. Um, but at the time, maybe that I read that, I thought you know, yeah, twelve years ago. Anyway, thirteen, whatever. Um, but you know what? You made me think of something that I a saying that I hate. Okay. Which is what someone says, you know, um, find a job that you love and you'll never work a day in your life. Bullshit. That's such bullshit. Sometimes you got to learn HTML code <laughs> yeah, to make that happen. Because sometimes I'll, that'll come to my mind. I'll be at my day job and it, like, which I uh, actually, I mostly enjoy most of the time. I like the people I work with. I like what I do. But sometimes it'll just be a, just a week full of bullshit. And I'll be like, I can't believe I'm doing this when this isn't what I you know, uh, yeah. what isn't what I want to do. But then I also think of all the times that it's like, fuck, I don't want to go to this fucking screening. Like, oh, yeah. I don't want to go see this free movie. Like, no matter how much you love something, there's going to be a time you don't want to do it if it's something you have to do. Yeah. I mean, it's... Someone saying that, it's almost like... It's like, you you know, when you find the person you love and you want to marry, you're not going to have any problems at all. Because you love them, right? <laughs> yeah. It's just like, yeah, no thank you. Like, sometimes you get a little tired of it. So, um, 
That was fun. Um, I mentioned listening to some of these other podcasts, mm-hmm. and what I didn't mention is how I listen to them, uh, which is <laughs> using my tweaked audio.com slash pretension earbuds. Mm-hmm. Uh, for those who don't know, and again, sorry to the douchebag who commented on the website who hates that I repeat stuff, but people got to know about these earbuds. Yeah. So you, uh, douchebag, assuming you're still listening, um, take take your tweakedaudio.com. I thought this rolled off your back, and I was the one that was going to be mad on your behalf. Um, I'm not mad at all. I'm just having oh, okay. fun. okay. All right. Um, so take, douchebag, take your uh, tweakedaudio.com slash pretension earbuds out. Even douchebags have good taste. Uh, when we're telling them um tweakedaudio.com slash pretension that's where you go well no let me backtrack that because just without the the slash pretension mm-hmm. tweakedaudio.com is your destination for professional quality earbuds uh in a variety of styles and colors at a low low price mm-hmm. but for those of us non-douchebags i can't who are, I can't who are in the know you go that one step further, you put in the extra effort of typing yeah. slash pretension. Really, if you've been there a couple of times before, you type slash P, and it probably will you know, right, autofill. Because yeah. um, I'm assuming you're buying earbuds <laughs> yeah. every couple of weeks. <laughs> By the um, handfuls. <laughs> um, you go to tweakedaudio.com slash pretension, and you get those same professional quality earbuds in the same variety of styles and colors, but the low, low price... In addition to that low, low price, or really in subtraction from that low, low price, Whoa. is another 33.3 repeating percent. One third off and free shipping. Man. We take care of you, you know? Yeah. And all we ask is that you buy things from tweakedaudio.com slash pretension. We get a, sure, yes, we get a piece of that. But we also get the peace of mind knowing that you're hearing us the best way possible. Nice. All right. Um, <laughs> there's something else. You wanted to plug. I don't recall. That, was it the comic book? Oh, no. Okay. No, that's not yet. No, no. We're not plugging that comic book yet. Oh, right. Anyway. Right. <laughs> um, no, I did want to say that, uh, okay, not that anyone cares at all. Oh, we right. Ha- we have merchandise. We have Battleship Pretension related ver- merchandise that like almost never gets purchased. Every once in a while, there's one. I'm like, hey, okay. Um, sure. That's a lot of fun stuff. And it just got funner. Yeah, which is I don't like to say, but like because it's not a word, right? But uh, the uh, I okay. So our friend Adam Rebitaro, who's been on the show before, and is known for being kind of our resident artist. Yeah. Although he did I want to say he did not do our logo, Lance, Lance Lieber, Lance Lieber, whom did, I met at Comic Con twenty ten. Oh really? Oh yeah, that's, that's right. You recorded a, a he was on the he was on the uh, that's right. on the minisode of the podcast. So uh, so yeah, I don't want to take anything away from Adam, nor do I want to take anything away from Lance. Everything's good. But anyway, so Adam uh, has designed a number of our like our posters and that sort of thing. So he, uh, upon my request, I said, "Hey, do you think you could draw a very sinister picture of Michael Gambon?" And uh-huh. he said, "Sure." And so he sent it to me a while back, and I had to uh, fiddle around with Photoshop a little bit so it looked a certain way. And uh, I finally finished it. So there are new "You'll Get Yours" Gambon T-shirts out there. Mm-hmm. With a very sinister-looking Michael Gambon on them, <laughs> and here's the thing: like, like I, so I still listen to and watch Never Not Funny, uh-huh. and I, I don't have, I haven't gotten any of their shirts since the uh, 
you need to stop that with the helicopter yeah, on yeah. it, which is a fun story that, of course, you don't want to tell when somebody asks, what does that mean? Yeah. But uh, anyway, so they have, but they've got like some fun shirts on there and they have one of Al Pacino and it says, I can't even imagine, yeah. which is a story of Matt Belknap overhearing Al Pacino say that into a phone. Uh-huh. And, uh, and so, but it's just a neat shirt. And I feel like this is one where, like with the logo, obviously it's the logo and it says Battleship Retention. This one, like, this one will get people being like, what the hell is that? <laughs> For anybody who knows Michael Gambon, they're like, why do you hate Michael Gambon? And then you can say, I've got good news for you, buddy. You can hate Michael Gambon, too, if you listen to the show Battleship Retention. So and so, thank you very much, Adam, for designing that. I'm really proud of it, and I hope you guys uh, enjoy it. There are a lot of options for you. You can get it on a flask if you want, which is ridiculous. I like that. So, um, Yeah, there's a lot of fun stuff at the, uh, that store, including mouse pads. I'm looking at one right now. I'm looking at two of them right now. Yeah, we just bought mouse pads to yeah. put our mics on. Yeah, so you can't hear. I'm slamming on the table right now. I'm <laughs> pounding on the table, and it's just absorbing all the sound. These are good mouse pads. Yeah. Uh, let's get into it, shall we? Indeed. We know what we're here for. It's the summer movie preview. And as usual, we're going to be cribbing our uh, uh, layout, mm-hmm. I guess, our plan of attack from inter- our, our friends at Entertainment Weekly. I think we've, no prob- we've probably said as many nice things about as bad things about in the history of the well, show. Well, I say like, bad things about them. Like and going then all the nice way things. back. Yeah. I said plenty of not nice things. Okay. Um, but... Uh, so we will. So we're not going in any particular order. We're going just in the weird layout that they do. Well, no, sometimes. It, it's it, it will be chronological, except for starting with what they think is the biggest movie. Yeah, which is Man of Steel, I guess, according to them. I don't know. Maybe that'll be as we go on. Maybe we'll try to decide if something is a bigger movie than Man of Steel. Yeah, I think maybe in the summer, like proper, which is like June, July, August, and I say that as a f- reference to that's when you're out of school. Yeah. Um, <laughs> And so summer stops when you go back to school, obviously. Yeah. The season um, of summer is late June to late September. Yeah. And so, okay, so looking at it from that point of view, like, then, yes, I would say Man of Steel is the biggest one. Yeah. But Although it's if June we're in, 14th, so that's probably still technically spring. Okay. All right. But that's the, but like with Iron Man 3 and, and Star Trek, I do think that those are probably bigger movies. Okay. Because I don't think it's assumed that, uh, like, people know what to expect from Iron Man because it's a part of a franchise. People were kind of, they weren't sure what to expect from Star Trek Into Darkness. They were excited about it, but who knows. Uh, whereas this one, it's just like, people are still kind of have a bad taste in their mouth from Superman Returns. I don't think they know what to expect. They haven't seen a good one, a good Superman movie in But people are liking decades. the trailer. They are liking the trailer, but, you know, Zack Snyder's movies make good trailers, <laughs> yeah, as yeah. we know. And that, you bring up Zack Snyder. I'm wondering if we even need to talk about Man of Steel because we kind of talked about it a bunch last week. Uh... Is there anything more you would need, want to say about it? I think I, I, I don't recall if I mentioned this, but uh, I watched the I saw the trailer again last night uh, when I saw Star Trek, and the uh, and there's some interesting things with it. It looks like it's still going to be you know very serious, probably lacking the humor of uh, the Richard Donner films. Um, but uh, but the thing that that I like, and this is something that I've had to uh, come to grips with, is. It's just like, oh, we're seeing, you know, we're seeing like Clark's like uh, earthly parents played by Kevin Costner and Diane Lane by casting like real mm-hmm. actors in those parts. It, it takes those characters seriously. And I feel like in the past, in the, in the in the past movies, those characters haven't really been, they've been viewed as kind of, all right, once he discovers who he really is, like 
they're kind of cast offs and mm-hmm. they're not really necessary. And this movie seems to treat them as necessary. And there's a really great scene where the kids where Superman, you know, Clark is saying like, can't I just pretend I'm your son? And he's, and he's like, you know, he says, you are my son. It's a very moving moment. And part of me is like, it's like, all right, they're finally exploring this. Admittedly, I did not watch one single episode of the 10 years of, uh, Smallville. Smallville. My guess is every episode is that. <laughs> so maybe I should start watching that and start and stop talking out of my ass. I only watched the first season of Smallville. Did you like it? I used to have opinion. I think I. It's been so long. I kind of forgot. I, I think, remember you mentioning that you really like John Glover in it. But how I like you, John Glover and everything. Yeah. Um, and yeah, he was Lex Luthor's father. Yes, that's right. Okay. Um, did you know that he also does the voice of the Riddler on Batman the Animated Series? I did not know that. Yeah. Um, but, uh, I think I, I recall liking the beginning of Smallville season one mm-hmm. and then kind of in a heroes type fashion, it just like getting old. I mean, the thing that gets me, I can't imagine that being that going for 10 years. Like that's after a certain point, it's it, to me, it's almost like when they keep making land before time straight to video sequels, like after a while, it's like, I think we're well into the like the 1960s at this point. Like time has long since started. <laughs> All right, um, that's Man of Steel. Great Gatsby's already out. We haven't seen it. I I, I want to see. It. I do want to see it. Um, the reviews aren't stellar. Yeah, um, but they're not. Uh, I don't think they're terrible across the board. Yeah. Uh, Star Trek Into Darkness. I honestly, I haven't gotten. Uh, I'm kind of behind in reading reviews, so I haven't really gotten a sense of what people are thinking of it. Did uh, you like it? I liked it a great deal. There is one aspect to it that I feel like is it, it it stands out as like not even really that problematic, but there's a character in the in the film who she doesn't play much of a role and it makes me wonder why they give her any screen time at all. They easily could have written that character out. Um I think maybe they incorporated her because there're not enough women in the in the mm. world of Star Trek in this world of Star Trek. And so, but by and large I was very satisfied by it. I thought it was great. Uh, it gave me hope for what J.J. Abrams is going to do with Star Wars. Um, and it's definitely worth seeing. And it's worth seeing on the big screen. Um, now, I keep seeing from the little like uh, TV spots that I fast forward through on my DVR and the posters and this picture here. Mm-hmm. Apparently, at least part of the movie takes place within the movie What Dreams May Come. <laughs> <laughs> um, Either that or, you know, they're running around uh, Horton Hears a Who. <laughs> right, yeah. Um, uh, although this will tie into, I'm sure, later um, in the show. But when we, uh, I guess I was watching a show with my girlfriend and the Star Trek Into Darkness TV spot started with them running through that red mm-hmm. forest. And then, you know, we hit fast forward and she was like, um, she was like, because I think we've been talking about summer movies or whatever. And she was like, that looks stupid to me. But she was like, I'd rather watch that shot of them running on a loop for two hours than go see Pacific Rim. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. Real quick. Somebody, uh, uh, Anne uh, Levant... Uh, a listener who yes. lives elsewhere. A listener that I thought was a woman for years before I realized that yeah. it's, that it's a, um, Swedish? I think so, yeah. He, it's uh, a Scandinavian name, yeah. Anne. Yeah, and we, he and I have spoken on uh, on Skype because he's a, an old, old fan. So he sent me this thing. It's a trailer for Atlantic Rim. Oh, yeah. It's an asylum he film. Said, I think, oh, he might have tweeted that to me. Okay, that's, okay, very possible. Yeah, so so, I watched, someone did. I'm pretty I watched sure that trailer and, uh, First off, it looks like they've got way more of a budget than they've ever had before. 
And one really interesting thing, and man, I hope it's true, but it very well could not be. In the comments, uh-huh. somebody said, it's worth noting that the robots, they're not robots, but whatever you call them, you know, they're, they're controlled by humans. Right. So in Pacific not, Rim, they're called Jaegers, but I don't, okay. think, I don't think they're called that in Atlantic probably Rim, because it's probably, I don't know, trademarks or yeah. something. But let's just say that. Okay, so they're, they're, they're Jaegers. Like, uh, in Atlantic Rim, it's like, is it weird that they look like Japanese knockoffs of Transformers? Like, like, the, uh, like, the, like when you go to like a dollar store. Mm-hmm. And you'll and you'll go like and you buy like an action figure for your nephew or something, for example. Um, <laughs> and it's just like, all right, well, this is a it's, this looks like a transformer. It's a uh-huh. dollar, you know, whatever. And it looks like a cheap knockoff. He's like, this looks like somebody made like designed these based on toys that are known to be knockoffs. Uh-huh. And it's like, if they did that on purpose as uh-huh. a comment on what Asylum is, and we all know <laughs> it is, it's like this might be the most brilliant movie ever. And yeah. I. There's no way to know, but man, I hope that's the case. It's enough to make me I, want to see Atlantic Rim. Yeah. I, I don't know if you listened to the episode I did without you with Josh Fadim and Rachel Goldenberg. but I did not. She is a director of Asylum movies. Oh, I did not know that. Um, and so we talked about... She, at the time, was not aware of Atlantic Rim. I, need to, I want to get in touch with her because we... I asked her, like... We were talking about... Um, again, people who listened will know this. Sorry, dude. Um, or should I say, sorry, douche. Um <laughs> Uh, I asked her like what the turnaround is, and I and I was like, "Is it too late for me to pitch a an, a Pacific Rim knockoff?" And she was like, "No." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's. By the way, my first thought when you just said like, "Is like, oh, she's the director of Asylum, you know, Asylum Films." My first thought was like, "Oh, we should get her on the show." Oh wait, <laughs> yeah, we did. you're not describing someone that you know. You described yeah. someone who was totally um, in this context. No, she directed. Um, uh, I can't remember what it was called now, but they're Sherlock Holmes. Okay. Um, she directed Sunday School Musical. <laughs> All right. And then she has done other stuff, because they do stuff that's not knockoffs, knock too. She did a, a, a children's film yeah. about, like, ponies. Sometime the princess, we, the some, princess and the Pony, I think it was called. Sometime we should have a uh, writer in front of the show and my co-host of the other show, Josh Long, to, to come on, because he has, like, been involved in, like, movies that wish they were asylum films uh-huh. like he just basically he just occasionally gets a call from this producer saying like hey i'm putting this movie together you know you want to come and be like the ad slash whatever is necessary uh-huh. like yeah. he has dressed as like the the alien in the movie or the monster or whatever and so he's done whatever and just the way he describes it it's it but they're not even released here they're straight they're direct to market in other countries they can't even be here that's how awful they are all right. Um, Moving on. Yeah, we got to pick it up. We're taking way too long. Sorry. You also saw Iron Man 3. Any thoughts? Uh, it's, I it's, said we had to move it along. Yeah, sorry. It's not great. I mostly liked it. Uh, there are flaws, but the choices that Shane Black makes, some of them big and some of them kind of you know like a twist, as people know. Um, yeah. Were you more... Uh, what did you like more, the reveal of who the bad guy is in Star Trek Into Darkness or the twist in Iron Man 3? Which one did I like more? Yeah, which one did you enjoy more? Like, what, what was a better experience in the theater? Well, it was more. It was a more satisfying experience for Star Trek. Okay. But I enjoyed, when it comes to enjoying the just the fact of the reveal, uh-huh. I enjoyed Iron Man 3 more. Okay. 
even if I'm not sure I like what it is they're revealing, I still like how they revealed it. And so Iron Man 3, better than 2, not as good as the original? Yeah, the order for me is, is 1, 3, 2. But okay. I still like 2 more than most people. Okay, um, Epic, I don't really know anything about it. I don't um, either. I was, I, talking, I was talking with a friend who works at DreamWorks, and their their movie is Turbo, but we were talking about animated films this mm-hmm. summer, and just like neither of us are looking really, are really looking forward to any of them. Okay. Uh, now you see me. Are you interested in that? I am interested. It also looks like maybe the dumbest thing ever, but also <laughs> kind of great. Um, I like stuff about magicians. I'm kind of a sucker I, for that. Well, I keep... It's funny. I, I see the name Louis Leterrier as director, and I'm like, ooh, because of the transporter. But then I remember I had that reaction when I heard about... Um, the Incredible Hulk, mm-hmm. and when I heard about Clash of the Titans, and I have not seen any of his films since The Transporter. I saw Incredible Hulk, and it's it's fine. It's... Have you seen The Transporter? No. It's really good. Okay. Um, I think I actually like The Transporter 2 better, though. Mm-hmm. Anyway. Uh, Hangover Part 3, I've already talked at length about my feelings, but yeah. I'm hoping that it um, is darker, even darker than the and grimier than the second one. <sighs> I'm hoping that at least one, if not all of them, die. Um, I know that's the like one of the character posters. Uh, I hate that because I'm on like press release websites or e- email lists. I know like the names for press stuff, but the character poster for Ken Jeong's character is just him smiling and the quote, "We're gonna die finally." <laughs> um, I don't. I, I'll say I hope this. they die. I really, and this is not a function of the film. I don't like the publicity campaign uh, campaign around town because it's meant Why? to evoke. The, the last Harry Potter, the whole it all ends, like it's the same color tone. and That bothers you? Well, partially because it's like, that's like two or three years ago now. Uh-huh. That like, it's like, it's banking on us remembering a campaign, which admittedly I do, but, I think, but it also seems like, it's like, ah, I don't that's, know. that's maybe one year too late. But I, you know, here's why I don't think that, because I think it's successful enough in um, capturing that mood that even if you don't remember, it still feels like that. And I'm not gonna, like, I don't If you care. don't remember, then it becomes funny because they're treating this like some kind of weird epic. Yes, uh, that's funny to me. Yeah. Um, and uh, I also, like, you're not going to get me to boo-hoo over, like, intellectual property rights for a marketing campaign. Oh, I'm not talking... <laughs> no, that's no. very dismissive, and that's what people do for a living. But, you know, it's... Oh, I don't care about uh, them being, like, ripped off, yeah. but part of me is, like... If it was more, if it came out last year, I'd be more okay with it than this year. Like it just feels like too dated of a thing to be to rip off. Um, Moving on, Francis Ha came out yesterday. Um, Josh reviewed it for the site. He I did. have not read the review yet. Did he like it? He liked it a lot. Yeah. Okay, good. Um, uh, I need to. I don't know. Um, Noah Baumbach's kind of a blind spot for me. I yeah, he. This stuff. Yeah, Josh loves Noah Baumbach. Did not care for Greenberg, but really liked Francis yeah, I, Ha. I didn't like Greenberg either. So. Um, Love is all you need. I don't know that Suzanne Beer is someone that I... I liked Brothers when it... Like, well, there's the American film Brothers, mm-hmm. but it's a remake of a yeah. Danish film. Yeah, Danish, I think. Um, I think she's one of the 100 Susan best Beer. directors of all time. That's me. <laughs> That's our listeners. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I don't really care about that. Uh, <laughs> Black Rock, I'm a little bit interested in because I like the cast. Um, it's Katie Asselton uh, from uh, The League. Okay. Uh, Lake Bell from okay. Children's Hospital and Kate Bosworth from Blue Crush. Um, and uh, I, I just, I, I like that. It looks like a 
violent. I guess it reminds me of The Descent in that it's like okay, a, like a bunch of women and it's a violent thriller, horror, horror-y type thing. Sounds good. Who made it? Uh, Katie Asselton actually oh, okay. uh, wrote and directed it. That's interesting. I, I think she wrote it. She definitely directed okay. it. Um, and then Greetings from Tim Buckley. Are you interested in that? I kind of am. Here's if I thing. If I knew more about Jeff Buckley, I think I I'd be know, more interested. I know almost nothing about either of the Buckleys. Mm-hmm. But um, the thing is, the, the reason I'm interested is, A, it's getting good reviews. Mm-hmm. And B, um, I felt for when in watching gossip girl for six seasons or whatever that Penn badgley is a good actor and like maybe mm-hmm. is being getting that sort of cw dismissal because he was on the cw for so long yeah. and, and the, like it's not a great place to be taken seriously as a as an actor unfortunately he was in margin call and i liked him a lot in margin call oh. um uh, i yeah, i didn't i didn't see that i know he was also an easy a um with uh oh yeah um, which i did I, see and i, I do not recall uh but I've liked him, and I like that he, in particular, is getting good notices for this. It's making me want to see the movie. Yeah. Uh, I already talked about how Before Midnight is great, and okay. it is great. It's my favorite film of 2013 so far. Um, I personally don't think... Uh, I personally feel closer to Before Sunset, the second one. Okay. But I don't think that that's because it's a better film, necessarily. I just think Before Midnight... Um, you know, maybe in 10 years will be more impactful for me. Or maybe if I ever have kids. Yeah. Because uh, you know they're at this point they've been married for most almost for most of a decade and they have uh, twin daughters. Great, so I guess they get married. <laughs> yes, <laughs> you haven't seen any of the films. No, I haven't. You, they're on your to do list. Um, Peoples. Yeah. No, thank you. Yeah, I like. Craig I like Robinson. Craig Robinson yeah. a lot. I like David Allen Greer. I like Kerry Washington. I like the cast. It just looks like it just a just a shitty Meet the Parents. Uh, Which is to say, it's like Meet the Parents. It's yeah. just a, it just seems like a rip off of that. Yeah, yeah. I, you know, uh, uh, my dad was in no ways in no way a cinephile. You know, mm-hmm. he didn't like most of the like artier uh, stuff that I liked. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't mean he didn't have good taste. Because like I remember we saw Meet the Parents like as a family. My family came down to visit me my freshman year mm-hmm. of, of college in Springfield. And so the whole family went to see Meet the Parents. And we walked out my dad and I just looked at each other like, ugh. And I like, you know, I liked it when I first saw it, but uh, I did see it in a full theater, everyone laughing. And that, even if you don't find something remarkably funny, I do think that there is a, uh, ah, shoot, a contagious aspect to like everyone is laughing. And it's sure, something yeah. it's like, Oh, okay, that, that's funny enough that I guess I'm laughing out loud, and that's that's fine. And then I saw it again, uh-huh. and I was like, what the hell was I thinking? There are maybe <laughs> two laugh-out-loud lines here. Yeah. I cannot recall them. I like when he says, I'm a bombardier. <laughs> when he's like, because he says, <laughs> at the end, um, he they like won't let him take his bag because it's too big okay. to be a carry-on, but he doesn't want to check it, you know, and then he jokes about and having a bomb in it and uh, they yes. take that seriously and then he just starts saying the word bomb 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 and then he says i'm a bombardier that's funny to me okay yeah um and i like when robertiner asks him if he picked the color of his car and he says no no he said oh they say geniuses pick green <laughs> i like that partially because i drive a green car um fast and the furious six uh yeah all right I, you know what here's the thing i hear that five is great I hear that six could be great. I have not seen a single Fast and Furious movie. Uh, I hear that by and large, as a franchise, it's okay. Well, it seems like because I saw the first one in the theater and didn't care for it, never went back. 
but Justin Lin started as a director on the third one mm-hmm. and has done four in a row. Yeah. Although he will not do the seventh. There, there, it looks like there will be a seventh, but he will not do it. Man, oh man. Um, I, I don't think it's a, a problem. I don't think he like has a, is he's like I don't think there's some sort of adversarial relationship right. between the films. I think he's just like I did four of these. I should yeah, probably I move I, on. I think I did it. I think um, I, I got it. Yeah. Um, but I, I like. Uh, I say I, I like Justin Lin, meaning that um, I think Better Luck Tomorrow is a a good first film, mm-hmm. um, especially as a for him as a stylist. Even though he's in many ways just uh, sort of uh, ripping off Scor- Scorsese. Have you seen? Did you see Better Luck Tomorrow? I did not. It's it's definitely of interest. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, but didn't you mention Better Luck Tomorrow in your Ebert? Thing? I mentioned Ebert's defense of it publicly when yeah. somebody else uh, was angry at Justin Lin for like, hey, you have the opportunity to have an all Asian cast and yeah. you choose to have them like this. Right, that's, with guns and drugs. and Yeah, and yeah. just like, it's like, that's how, like, how can you represent your people that way, which is a shitty, awful way to think. Like, yeah. And then Ebert standing up and saying... That's a shitty, awful way to think. Something like that. <laughs> yeah. and, he, and just like, and saying like, it's like these characters have the right to be whatever the hell they want to uh-huh. be and they don't need to and he, he did like these crazy air quotes they don't need to represent uh-huh. their people and like you actually see the guy that uh, that made the criticism earlier you actually see him in the background and be like fuck you it's like you don't say that to yeah, you Ebert. you're not going to get on anybody's side <laughs> here but uh, I saw anyway. Better Luck Tomorrow by the way just because I had read a review and this was back when I lived in Chicago and didn't mm-hmm. have uh, any friends yet um, other than you. Hey, um, all right. But we didn't get along that well no, we our first year. <laughs> uh, so I went to see Better Luck Tomorrow opening night. And it was me and every Asian person in Chicago. <laughs> I was the only white person in the theater. And it was a, it was a lot of fun. Talk about contagious. Like, obviously, this was something that was must have been advertised um, in, I don't know, it geared towards the Asian community. Cause oh, they, yeah. You know. They showed up and and ma and mass mm-hmm. and um, it was a really fun screening. Yeah. Um, uh, anyway, so I have respect for Justin Lin, but I haven't seen any of his other stuff. But yeah, I can't. The, the first Fast and the Furious is it's really stupid. It's right, the word I should use is dumb. Yeah. It, like that's. I mean, normally I hate when someone says, "Why didn't you like that?" It was dumb. That is, I mean, that, usually that means they're dumb and they haven't thought about why they didn't like it. Yeah. But dumb as it like is the perfect word for what the first Fast and the Furious movie. That's how is. I describe Sucker Punch. It's, it's a dumb. It's a really <laughs> interesting dumb movie. Yeah, yeah. But it, like, it, it's dumb in the sense that it's like dull and dunderheaded <laughs> and all these other things. Uh, the East, I am interested in because I liked the sound of my voice. Hmm. Um, and this is the same. Uh, Britt Marling also stars, and I'm assuming co-wrote, uh, as she did with Sound of My Voice, because it's the same director whose name is Zal Batmanglage. Oh, nice. I think so. All I know is his name has Batman in it. Uh, so it's Britt Marling, Alexander Skarsgård, and Ellen Page, and it's, I think, uh, about, is it about a cult or is it about an uh, activist group? I don't know. That's not important. I okay. just, I don't tend to focus that much on what movies are about i just look at sort of their pedigree mm-hmm. uh generation um is already out yeah, yeah what is I like th- power and through stuff that's already out here yeah and that uh, i think it's available on demand as well i'm interested um, in it i am i am as well it's you know uh keanu reeves seems to be a creative force behind it and he's in it and it's yeah. just and he's somebody you know what like 
like so many others, I just years ago just said he's not a good actor, which is true. <laughs> it is hard to argue yeah. with. <laughs> Everyone just, for a long time, I got angry at the world. I probably even said it on the show. It's been, the show's been going six years. It's yeah. likely I've said it. That like, it's like, we all agree he's a bad actor, but we're all okay with him continuing to act. Uh-huh. How is that okay? Like, why are we, uh, why did we all just decide this? Because, and let me it's, ask be- you the- it's because okay. he's, this is going to sound weird, he's harmless. He's unpretentious. He yeah. seems like a good guy. And I think he knows his limits. Uh-huh. <laughs> Shakespeare aside, he knows his limits. And I think he, he plays into them. And get, and this movie certainly looks like well, the kind of thing he's good at. You mentioned what you do about nothing. Do you think a movie has ever been worse than it could have been because of Keanu Reeves? Worse than it could have been. Because I can't think... Uh, I don't even think that's true. I, I enjoy much do about nothing. I don't love it. Um, uh, I've definitely... I definitely like Kenneth Branagh less as a director, like sort of every year. You like Thor? Uh, I did. I did enjoy Thor, but mm-hmm. you know, not. I didn't love it. Um, I think you know what this is going to sound weird. I think the Lake House. I think there could have been a more charismatic lead actor. <laughs> I didn't that. see the Lake House. Are yeah, you being serious? Yeah, I am. Because I, I thought that movie was like, like at its core, just completely preposterous. I thought that was. The... Oh, it is. Okay. But I've seen preposterous movies that are sold well, and okay. and it's a pretty well done movie. And it just needs a slightly more charismatic leading man. I like Sandra Bullock. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I've always long been a fan of her. Yeah. Um, okay, so maybe that's that's an example. Because I, when I think of like even when he's, you know, like he's perfect for Point Break. He's perfect mm-hmm. for Constantine. Uh, Is he? Yeah. Have, I've, I haven't seen the movie, even though I've I've owned it. I got it for free when you I worked at Blockbuster. I know you got to watch it before uh, Catching Fire. Well, why is that? Because it's Francis Lawrence. Oh, that's right. Yes, yes. Okay. <laughs> I was just like, is Peter Skarsgård? Not not Peter Skarsgård. Uh, oh, now I've forgotten his name. Peter Stormare. Pardon me. Right. Peter Stormare. is like, is he is he Satan in both of them? But um, but no, I know people who think that 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 who are fans of the comic book that say that his casting as Constantine is so ridiculously off. But of course, those are purists and all that. yeah that stuff's bullshit oh okay i hate that all right <laughs> um you know i i hate it but i also know okay um here's how i feel about that i know this is off topic okay but that purism really bugs me because there's you know again we're not going to give away what the twist is in iron man 3 but right. it, it does it does deviate from what happens in the comics from yes. the general like story of the comics and that that has upset a lot of people yeah a lot of purists and i think like the comics still exist. Mm-hmm. You could still... So John Constantine, as he exists in the comics, they didn't go redraw all of them to look like Keanu Reeves when the movie came out. That mm-hmm. still exists. Let the movie be its own thing. You know? Because yeah. I, I think, like, will I be upset if I think they... If they make a lot of changes to Snow Crash? Well, maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, but if the movie is still good in a different way, I think I'm level-headed enough to see that and i think for me it's don't get me wrong i i think i mostly agree with you but i think what bothers me i I can see where people are coming from especially when it comes to okay for example i won't say what it is but they do a variation of the mandarin that i think purists will be upset with and and i think maybe rightfully so because this is there are people that love that character and when you realize this is going to be the only version of that character we ever see on the big screen, we're never going to see it. Like, 
they might reboot Iron Man sometime in the future, but I have no idea when that's going to be. And it could be decades from now. And so, like, and so the idea, it's like, I love, I don't know, like, I'm trying to think, um, well, let's say the Riddler. Let's say, I mean, I love the character, and I have a clear idea of who he is, and then they put him in a movie, and they make him out to be just kind of, that he has all the pride of the Riddler, but none of the actual smarts to back it up. Uh-huh. It's like, well, that is not the Riddler, and the Riddler is represented on film so irregularly uh-huh. that, like, it's just frustrating. It's like, you had so, like, the the creators of this character, have they've given you a gift. The character is ready-made for you, and there's so much you can do with it, and you chose to do this instead because you thought it would make for this interesting thing. So If I it understand makes the movie what, bad, then, yeah. But if the movie is still good... And maybe that maybe that's the thing is like you know the 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 deviation regarding the 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 Mandarin is something that is fun in the moment, but I do think it makes the movie not as interesting. Oh, okay. So All maybe right. maybe that's what it is. Yeah. Let's again let's power through. Sorry. Uh, the Iceman the Iceman already has a review. You um, saw that, right? Yeah, I didn't care for it. Uh, Michael Shannon's great in it, but that's no surprise. Yeah. Um, that, I just essentially nutshelled my entire review which is that michael shannon's great but not good enough to make the movie worth sitting that's pretty much everybody's review as far Um, as i can tell scatter my ashes the bergdorf's has a review on the website aftershock has a review on the website um we got an invite to stories we tell no one could make it which is too bad because i I wanted to see that yeah yeah but i was busy then um venus and serena has a review on the website uh the english teacher i saw that trailer didn't look too good Fill the void. We'll have a review on the website. Um, you gotta talk into the mic. Oh, come on. Sorry. Uh, fill the void. We'll have a review on the website. Uh, we still secret steal secrets. I'm interested in. That's the documentary about WikiLeaks and Julian Assange. Oh, nice. I'm very interested. I in would that. like to see that. Yeah. The Purge sounds insane. Yeah, that's. What do you think of that? I, mean, I, I just, just I just know the insane. premise and the posters. I I, yeah. I, I would have to. I kind of know the basic, the most basic premise, which is mm-hmm. that for twelve hours every year, every year everything's legal. Yeah, and here's the thing, <laughs> and it's based on the idea of like people wanting people will like get it out of their system. It's like first off, I don't think that's how crime works, but also that's the thing. They are going to. Ha- I'm not against high concept premises of for movies Uh or tv or books whatever but like that one they're going to have to sell they're gonna have to sell it so well because if they don't i won't believe anything that happens afterwards and i will say like if crime is legal why are the why are the villains of the piece uh wearing masks but oh so you've seen the trailer yeah okay i didn't know that yeah let me ask you this if i poison someone during the 12 hour during the purge and he doesn't die till after am i uh, I think they can. I think uh, I think you are not uh, held responsible because okay. they can they can they can do the toxicology and they they're like oh it's this kind of poison based on when the guy died he was poisoned during this time all right we're done here yeah all right um, here's five dollars go along your, you know finally moving on to June the heat I'm very excited for this I am too I you- said I like Sandra Bullock I like an 
I, I like R-rated comedies and R-rated female-driven comedy. I like, even though I still haven't seen Bridesmaids, but that's because the first review I ever read, and then every review I ever read, mentioned one scene that pretty much guaranteed that I'm never going to see Bridesmaids. This, that scene is funny, and I'm not a big fan of that type of humor either. But it's worth the it's worth seeing, and I'll say this: like I, I like I like Sandra Bullock as well. I think she's very charming. Uh, I do not like The Blind Side, for which she won Best Actress, but she's still good in it. Not Best Actress good, but come on. Uh, and I I love Melissa McCarthy. I love what she is yeah. being asked to do. I like how she, you know, I mean, she's I'm not. Hopefully, I'm not being offensive when I say I mean she's a larger woman, and so a lot of. <coughs> I mean, she's she's known for that with, like, Mike and Molly, but, like, with Bridesmaids and Identity Thief, like, I feel like there's an expectation that we all have, uh, and that, for good reason, based on what studios often do with, like, larger actors in comedies, like, and she manages to sidestep that mm-hmm. in many ways, and, and I apologize for saying this and thinking only in terms of how, how big she is, but, like, in many ways she's like John Candy. John Candy was a large man who was funny, but very little of what of him being funny was a function of him being large compared right. to, say, Chris Farley. Right. And so I feel like Melissa McCarthy manages to sidestep the expectation mm-hmm. and uses how she looks to draw us in and then kind of comes comes at us from the side. It's she's a re- I would venture to say she's like a real treasure right now. And I'm I like that she's getting solid work, lead work, and I'm just she's somebody I'm just going to be following consistently. She's yeah. great. Um, okay, I I want that to be good. I I know I want it to be darker than it probably will be. Probably, yeah. It's um, yeah, probably. But because uh, I don't think Paul Feig is a guy who goes dark. Not that he sugarcoats things either. I just think he's more of a he's kind of a humanist. Um, Excuse me. Yeah, and it's. I mean, he did he did bridesmaids, which uh-huh. is dark emotionally. Okay. I mean, he does not shy away from the more awkward and horrendous moments. Uh, so good for him. But yeah. I don't know what how that'll translate into this type of comedy. Do you know, I'm seeing a picture here. This is uh, we, I know we got to stay on topic, but um, something I was thinking about. Uh, Marlon Wayans is in the movie. Okay. And um, there is a thing in one of the recent Entertainment Weeklies about. Um, it was an interview with um, Richard Pryor's widow and the fact that they've been working. She's been working for years to try to get a biopic made. Mm-hmm. And I guess Marlon Wayans has publicly voiced his interest in playing Richard Pryor. Mm-hmm. And she basically said he should stop because Marlon Wayans is not going to play Richard Pryor. And my first thought was, why? why not? He would kind of be awesome at that. Yeah, I think like he... that, that's a, that would be a great choice. But she said the person she brought up was Michael B. Jordan. Um, whom you probably know as Wallace, Wallace from The Wire, yeah, but yeah, he was also on Friday Night Lights. And he was in Chronicle. He's in Chronicle. He's in yeah. this new uh, Fruitvale Station. Okay, he's kind of um, young. Are they? Uh, does she yeah, want I don't it to know. be a? I, I don't know about that, but I, I, I think re- reputation-wise, it seems like she wants to make a more serious thing because he's that uh, Michael B. Jordan is known. Chronicle aside, is known as a, a dramatic actor more than he's not really a comedic or or genre uh star whereas marlon wayans maybe she's thinking he'll bring too much baggage as a silly guy to it but you and i do not like requiem for a dream uh-huh. but he is very good yeah. in it he brings whatever he brings the proper gravity and also 
Look, I, I understand that like comedians are often quite tortured, but they are also genuinely funny people in many different yeah. contexts. And like have like there's a reason that comedians become comedians because they have a funny take on things in everyday yeah. life. And so just like that's fine. Let I should, it be that. I should also say I worked at the Arclights for a very brief time and never saw Marlon Wayans, but I know from my coworkers at the time he had a reputation for being a really nice guy. I could see that. He I, he seems like a nice guy. All right, uh, White House down. I which I, one I, is that? That's Roland Emmerich. The one that already came out, Olympus Has Fallen. Yes. is Antoine Fuqua. Okay, uh, and I like him, but I didn't see Olympus Has Fallen. White House Down is the one with Channing, Channing Tatum, Tatum and, and Jamie, Jamie Foxx Fox. as like a very obvious like uh, Obama type. Is that um, true? I haven't seen the trailer. Is yeah. It just, yeah, so it's not just that he's black. There are other Obama type things about I, him. Yeah, I think so. Like okay. And just like I think, just the way he carries himself, and I think the way like they they cut his hair, uh, kind of is meant to evoke that. Um, and uh, yeah, that movie looks like just it astounds me how. Don't get me wrong; I, I can appreciate when somebody just goes full on, but it it astounds me how generally not self aware Roland Emmerich seems to be. <laughs> like that that movie looks. I, I mean, like there's you know humor found in it like within like the, like the characters making jokes but just like the the tone you're striking is so preposterous they're like how do you not know that it just compared to That's... something like the rundown for example which is funny mm-hmm. and there are stakes and there are like and just like there's already be i i, I like i like when somebody commits to it to something but just because you commit to something doesn't mean you can't say this is just Silly. This is ridiculous. I don't know. I, I And maybe I I'm feel, wrong. Maybe the movie is more like that than I think. I don't know. I, the way I feel about Roland Emmerich is that I I maybe I might dislike him more than any other working director because I don't feel like he's trying to make good movies. Like I I like other people, you know, like you know, you Michael Bay's and Zack Snyder, they're making, you know, big often very mindless yeah. entertainments. But to them, I think, they're still making movies they want to make. They're yes. still driven by something. And maybe Roland Emmerich is, and it's either way above or way below my, my head. Yeah. Um, but I, I just don't feel any passion for movies in any of his work. Yeah, it almost feels like he's like, well, time for me to make a Roland Emmerich movie again. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, after Earth... Okay, here's what's interesting to me about that, and the movie itself looks pretty interesting, by the way, um, is how much they're playing down yeah. the presence of M. Night Shyamalan. I was just having this conversation with someone else. I don't remember who now. And it's just... And, of course, it astounds me. Like, if they're playing him... I mean, he used to be a name that, like above the title. Like, that's who he was. And then Last Airbender came along, which did well financially, but was reviled critically mm-hmm. and by fans of, of, you know, Avatar, Last Airbender and all yeah, that. Yeah. Um, and so the, the movie doing well financially, that's obviously why he keeps, you know, his movies do well. It's why he keeps getting work. But like, I think, I think he, his brand, which is more than merely the movies he makes, mm-hmm. his general brand seems to be um, tainted somehow. And I feel like, the studio's like, okay, we'll we'll leave you in charge of this movie, but we 
we are going to bury your involvement as much as possible while still having your name. And it's, I don't know. Yeah. Do you, um, no, I don't know. I know as with the last airbender, it's not, um, the screenplay is not, or, or the story is not by M. Night Shyamalan, but right. for the last airbender, he did, he adapted the screenplay. He was the writer. Okay. I don't know if he had a hand in writing this because I've been saying since the village that M. Night Shyamalan needs to direct a movie he didn't write. Yeah. Or at least one that didn't originate with him, but I well, guess... Well, that's the true of Last Airbender, and apparently yeah. I didn't see it. Um, I haven't seen one of his movies since Lady in the Water. I never saw The Happening. Yeah, neither did I. Um, I love that. Speaking of ad campaigns, I love the first R-rated movie from M. Night Shyamalan. Yeah. <laughs> that, that's still funny to me. Um, anyway. Yeah, and that's the thing. is like, anytime... <clears throat> like, he used to be a bankable... I mean, when you think of it, like, how many directors by name are people familiar with like Spielberg and that's the thing this is where my own personal bubble comes in because I would say like oh like Wes Anderson no probably not people <laughs> may in general like like as you and I say our moms right Spielberg they know him mm-hmm. by name yeah they might not know M. Night Shyamalan but he was pretty close for a while mm-hmm. and so like and now the idea that like and now it's just like it's like ah you look, you know M Night Shyamalan, you love M Night Shyamalan, you like rated R movies, here we go. <laughs> like that's that's how much he that's how that's what he was for so long and now they can't run from his name fast enough and yet he was still given a big movie. I wonder if maybe it's like a a, a trial run where it's just like, all right, we'll see how the movie does. Yeah. We'll see how it does critically. And then maybe we'll we'll bring you back out and say yeah. the triumphant return of M Night Shyamalan or something like that. Critically, yeah. I wonder. Uh, I never read the book about him, um, and I can't remember what it was called. Uh, but I wonder how he because I, I know he has a reputation for being hard on himself and having a huge ego, like mm-hmm. Unbreakable, his second film. Well, and everyone calls it his second film. Six Sense was his second film. His first film, first feature film, was called Wide Awake, mm-hmm. and it was Had a Rosie Disney, O'Donnell live action Disney movie with Rosie O'Donnell. And I've never seen it. Um, but when Unbreakable came out, it did really well. Mm-hmm. Like it made, I think, over one hundred fifty million dollars, and that's in nineteen ninety. Oh no, two thousand. Two thousand, I think. Two thousand, two thousand one. Yeah, it's in those dollars. Like it did, it was a it did well, mm-hmm. uh, but it didn't do as well as The Sixth Sense, and he like went into a depression over it. Yeah, <laughs> well, I wonder I, how like how much this affects him. I wonder if I should. I'm, I'm feeling sorry for the guy. Well, I mean, you watch Lady in the Water, you see everything about the character of Bob Balaban, and you see like he is not immune to criticism. Like it does not roll off his back. He mm-hmm. feels the need to address it and kind of get uh, revenge. Lady in the Water. I think maybe we just need distance from M Night Shyamalan to recognize that Lady in the Water is not that bad a movie. It's a. It's pretty bad. It's batshit. It's okay. It is that. It's Looney Tunes. Yeah. I don't think it's bad. I think it is. That's the thing. I like, I, I enjoy it. Uh, I mean, I, I haven't seen it since I saw it once in the theater. Yeah. I had a I had a good time even while I was like, this is crazy, right? I think structurally, it's here's the thing. Like all the elements are crazy, and I'm fine with that. And then, and he just keeps revealing new crazy elements, <laughs> and the fact that he reveals it, and maybe he meant for it to be this way—that like that he is just because it's, you know, 
famously or infamously is like based on like stuff that he's told his, his uh-huh. children. It's like, okay. So it does have the feeling of a father just making shit up as he goes along. But it's like, so I, I'm, I admire his commitment to that, but I also feel like that's maybe not the best way to make a satisfying <laughs> film. Uh, and so, and there are aspects to it that I like and respect. I do hate everything. I do hate the way he characterizes that critic and not, because of my my personal choices, but also just like that is that could not be less fair, the way yeah or less bald faced yeah you're right I wish I could excise that from the movie, and you could and it would not be that different really yeah. except to be slightly more you know humane yeah, but I think in the future fifty sixty years from now assuming that the human race is still around um, when there's you know retrospective series at revival houses like a weekend of m night Shyamalan, like yeah people are going to look at lady in the water with a lot of interest with interest yes <laughs> i will give you that all right um now this is the end i think you and i talked about yeah we talked about that we did a mini WonderCon. episode uh from WonderCon that you can listen to we talked yeah. about how it looks not very good and all yeah. the reasons that we don't care but it could very well like that group of guys, it's a comedy, a high-budget comedy, so they do need to appeal to as many people as possible. It's entirely possible that the movie is actually quite good and actually fairly smart, but well, they have to play... But that's the thing. You and I did not merely see a trailer. We saw scenes. Yeah. But and here's one of them hope. is okay. Yeah. Here's my hope, because in the... Yeah, we saw scenes, but we also saw... I think there were, the trailer also shows um, Seth Rogen and Jay Baruchel... Outside of James Franco's house. Yes. My hope is that all the scenes we've seen and most of the footage we've seen comes from like the first half hour of the movie. And I'm hoping that James Franco and Craig Robinson and uh, um, Danny uh, McBride, Danny McBride uh, and Jonah Hill, I'm hoping all those guys by the 35, 40 minute mark are dead. And then the movie is not about that anymore. And it's about the friendship between Seth Rogen and Jay Baruchel and them going out and facing the apocalypse together. I'm... I don't think that's pro- that's the case, I, but I'm hoping so. that that's what they're doing, is they're hooking us with this thing, and then that's we're actually only seeing the first act. I certainly don't think all those guys are going to make it to the end. Right. Um, and, we'll, and, the, but, and I think uh, Seth and uh, Jay, I think, will make it to the end, and it will be mostly about them. But these other guys, I think, will last a, will last a while. But yeah, so, so I haven't written it off. But here's the thing. If the movie turns out to be exactly as they presented it at WonderCon, mm-hmm. I don't think I'll like it. No. Yeah. So. Okay. Uh, World War Z. I mean, I'm not, I try to steer clear of movie news, but this one sounds like a disaster. I don't, yeah, I, I, I don't know much about it. I did see a trailer for it and it. So did I actually. I don't, I, I usually avoid trailers, but I did watch the, yeah. the first full length trailer and I didn't care much for it. It looked like there was some interesting stuff. Uh, there, there are certain things that I like in which more than anything it seemed like they were addressing almost any disaster movie in which a guy is talking about like and I don't remember the exact line but he's basically addressing Brad Pitt's attitude it's like it's like what makes you think your family is exempt from the destruction of humanity mm-hmm. and and I I like that so much if they run with that mm-hmm. that question instead of flying the face of it which they probably will cuz that more than anything war of the world uh, day after tomorrow, mm-hmm. like where it basically comes down to nothing is more important than this family. And don't get me wrong, you know, if the if 
you know, the end of the world is tomorrow. I will be thinking about Jen, and there's no question about it. But like the fact that the that a movie is willing, it's one of the things I like about science is that it keeps it on that small level. And so when you're only thinking in terms of this house, then the then the inhabitants of it are important. But when a movie goes to goes to the lengths of showing epic carnage mm-hmm. and then it focuses in on this family it's like why not any other family like are, are uh, who who the fuck are these people that were paying attention yeah. to them it's one yeah. of, it's one of my big complaints it, it, with war of the world even like though a, i like it it seems like a um i'll disagree with you okay about war of the worlds because i think war of the worlds does effectively transmit the horror of what's happening to other people yes it whereas does. whereas when you get something like We'll go back to Roland Emmerich, 2012, mm-hmm. um, which I haven't seen all of. I saw some of in a waiting room once. Um, uh, that that really does have this, you know, giant pieces of, like over like overpasses are falling onto the highway beneath and crushing dozens of humans at once. And our family gets through, and it's like, whew. Yeah, <laughs> Where, yeah like that's fucked up because it's yeah. like we're not supposed to even. Like, everything's okay. Yeah. It reminds me of a movie but, but called I, uh, Desperate Measures. Did you ever see uh, Michael Keaton and Andy Garcia? No. Where basically, Michael Keaton is like this uh, this serial killer who like needs a blood transfusion, transfusion from like Andy Garcia's kid. And so, he's like bending over backwards to like, I don't know, to accommodate this guy. And in, and in the meantime, no, I'm sorry. Andy Garcia's kid needs the blood transfusion, transfusion from the serial killer. And uh-huh. so... Andy Garcia is like bending over backwards to protect him. And then some other says like, how many, how many people need to die? So this kid lives. Uh-huh. And so like, it's like, that's a good question. The movie's not interested in ask, in answering uh. it, but like that idea. And, and one could say that's a problem with movies in general is what's so special about this person. Like anytime they try to make it into an everyman in a larger situation, it's like, why this everyman and not that one? Why but I think some movies can walk the line where they can. I think War of the Worlds does. Yeah. Uh, eventually. Um not even eventually. No, I think when right from the beginning. Yeah. When when like people are being exploded in, yeah. and then he yeah. comes in with like the dust all over him, you know, recalling nine eleven pretty yes. much. And then his kid is like I I guess Dakota Fanning or whatever is like, what is that all over you? And like he doesn't answer her because we all know that's that used to be a person like that's yeah. horrifying. I think the movie knows it's horrifying and, and treats it with the weight that it deserves. Although at the end, when his son turns out to be alive, I, I don't, at, I don't um, support the last act of that movie at all. Okay, because because yeah. I think that's when it's just like ah, see, we're fine because we're all alive. Yeah. No one else is, but we made it. Yeah, all of us. This family, this one family is still alive, and that is the comfort we need in the face of millions of people being dead. And it yeah. just seems like a if his son had, if his son had died, then that would be something to connect him with humanity. Yeah. But now he's come through totally unscathed. Yeah, as has the block that their brownstone is on in <laughs> yeah. Boston, yeah. weirdly. Uh, and we are yeah, meant to feel like this is a wonderful thing. Yeah, stupid. Stupid ending. That's so. I, I put that in the same league uh, or same category as I Am Legend. As movies that have where the yeah. first hour is not only good but above average and pretty yeah. powerful stuff. Yeah, and then really a takes fun, a turn just for a the fumble at the end. Takes a turn for the yeah yeah. And and All so right. that's what I get from World we, War Z. But it looks like it delves into it a little bit. We have to move on. Okay. Uh, much ado about nothing. Should be no uh, surprise that I'm super excited to see mm-hmm. it. I know a lot of people have already seen it, but I haven't. Are you excited? Because you're not a weed knight in the way that I am. Yeah, I'm. I'm intrigued. I'll say that. Okay. 
Uh, I'm so excited is the new Pedro Almodovar, so I'm yeah so excited for that. Fair enough. Uh, the Bling Ring. <laughs> if we'd done this a few days ago, I would have been super excited, but the res- the response at Cannes has not been good to the Bling Ring. I hate to say it, but that doesn't ruin it for me. Like I might still <laughs> you, be you interested. Know what? You're right. <clears throat> You're right. Um. Monster, just to say, Monster, just okay. bling ring. That's Sofia Coppola, right? Yes, like uh, with, doing uh, something Hermione uh, and uh, yeah, um, <laughs> doing something a little bit different than she has done before, and mm-hmm. and I'm willing to. It's her Spring Breakers. Yeah, and I'm willing to cut her slack. I don't know if that that might be overly reductive. It, but. Well, it does sort of have that that vibe to it. Yeah, and so it's just like. I don't know. I, I could see people being like, well, we wanted this, and you're doing that. It's yeah. like, eh. It still not might not be great, but I'm willing to cover this, the proper slack. Okay. Uh, Monsters University. Um, uh, I'm I think, sure. As you know, I'm not a big fan of Monsters, Inc. So I, We saw it together, and I thought yeah. you liked it a lot. No. I, I never. Why do you it. hate that movie so much? I like the ending. What's the ending? I don't remember. I just know I don't like it. <laughs> you should rewatch it. I think you'd like that movie. I, I've, I've rewatched it myself, and... Uh, it's pretty well, you know, solid. I, I think it mostly earns that ending. I, I am prone to having problems with Pixar films. I have I don't like Up as much as other people do. I don't like yeah. Wally as much as other people do. There's got to be another one. That You're I wrong like. about Wally. Uh, um, Ratatouille. Ratatouille. Like I don't like as much as other yeah. people do. You like The Incredibles. You like Finding like Nemo. Incredibles, Finding Nemo, the Toy Story films. I think I actually liked Brave more than a lot of people did. Yeah. And I think part of that was because so many people had told me it was disappointing, and I waited so long to see it. That yeah. it surprised me, because um, I, I did I did have a good time watching Brave. Yeah, it's I, Monsters University. I'm sure it'll be fine and pleasant, but it just it just seems like the the company has just taken this turn where it's not that interested in doing things. Like like Brave was fine, uh, Cars Two was who cares, uh-huh. um, and this one planes. No, of course not. <laughs> good lord, no. All right, um, who made the planes? Is this did the cars make the planes? <laughs> <laughs> it's just, and this the, is what I'm talking about with the uh, with like the uh, the purge. Like, if you don't set up, uh-huh. if you don't sell me this reality, I cannot buy a single thing. That's a big part of my problem with the idiocracy. Is that oh like, yeah, nah, this doesn't make sense. Yeah, and it's just like it's like. So, at what point did they become brilliant and stupid at the yeah, same right, time? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, the internship. I could not be less interested in the internship. I saw a trailer for it last night. I I wasn't. I didn't care until I saw the trailer, and I'm. I don't care much more now. But I did think like, oh, all right. Like those guys still are kind of funny, but more than anything, it kind of looks like jokes about aging, like these guys getting older and ge- being out of touch with uh, younger generations. Like, and that could be okay when it's somebody like Owen Wilson and Vince Vaughn, people that I think of as young and it's exploring that mm, they're not as young as they used to be. Do you think of be. them as young? I mean... I sort of, yeah. It just... To me, I, I, this just is when I problem. picture Vince Vaughn, I think of like swingers, though I haven't seen it. Like, I picture that motormouth Vince Vaughn. I don't okay. think of somebody who is, could have children or something like that. Um, well, he had a daughter in... Uh, the watch right and i liked that he did like it got me thinking about him differently yeah it's funny when i think of when i think of the watch i don't have good memories mm-hmm. like i don't think of i don't think it was a good movie when i think of vince vaughn in the watch i think that's Solid. Everything's as best, great. that's as good as he's been since i don't even know what yeah while still embracing everything vince vaughn <laughs> yeah yeah um 
Okay, moving but on. But with sorry. the internship, it's okay. the same thing as with This is the End. Like, can we not have a comedy with men over 30 acting their fucking age? Like, yeah. Why does it all have to be about this, like, arrested adolescence thing? It's, I'm so over it. Just grow up. <laughs> That's what I think. But then I have to remember that, you know, movies made by studios are mostly aimed at 13 and 14 year old boys. Yeah. That's the target demo for most movies, especially this time of year. You know what? I think you would enjoy I Love You, Man. Did you ever see that? I never did. I think, given what you've been saying, I think you would like that quite a bit. Okay. Um, All right. Um, Evocator is a documentary that I'm interested in seeing because it's about Morton Downey Jr. I say I'm interested in seeing it. I'm I'm already scheduled to see a press screening of it. Oh, really? Oh, man. So I'm excited for that. That guy is just a silly, ridiculous (laughs) man. Um,. Rapture Palooza looks awful. I don't know if you... I did see the trailer for that because I say I don't watch trailers, but I'm such a sucker for Red Band trailers. Yeah. I don't know why. Like, I wa- why, why is Cursing in Blood, like, suddenly I want to see it? Um, maybe you feel like you get a better sense of the actual film. I, maybe that's true. What uh, is Rapture Palooza? It takes place after the Rapture. Okay. Um, Craig Robinson plays the Antichrist. <sighs> That's where I heard about it, yes. And uh, he has a crush on Anna Kendrick's character, and then Anna Kendrick, like, I guess reads the Bible and finds out there's a way to trap the Antichrist or something. Okay. And so she and her either friend or boyfriend, played by John Francis Daly of Freaks and Geeks, okay, um, come up with a plan to, like, I don't know, seduce the Antichrist and trap him. And okay. then the trailer also suggests that maybe Ken Jeong plays God. Okay. <laughs> I, but I could be wrong. All right, fair enough. All right. Um, <coughs> wish You Were Here, I already saw. There will be a review, but I didn't care much for it. No, that's not true. It's okay. Uh, Byzantium is a, the new um, Neil Jordan film. Oh, all right. It's a vampire movie starring Saoirse Ronan and... Is it Gemma Arterton? Is that how you say her name? I don't really know, but I'm a big fan of Saoirse Ronan, and I like Neil Jordan. Yeah. And him doing vampires sounds like fun. He's done it before. Yeah. Um, although I don't really like that movie. Yeah. Uh, the Lone Ranger. Oof. Did you see a trailer for that? I've seen TV spots. I okay. haven't seen the full trailer. It looks... I'll say this. Like, or maybe I did see it. I don't... I like Gore Verbinski, by and large. I'm trying to think what I've... I like the first Pirates movie. I'm trying to think what else I've seen by him. Because I never saw the, the Mexican... Oh, The Ring. I like The Ring. Yeah. yeah. He did Rango. I, did, I didn't see that, but I hear okay. I would like it. And it's... Uh, and yeah, I, there, there's others that he's done that I, that I can't pull right now. But it's, but yeah, I, I, I think he's, I think he's an underrated filmmaker. Not that you know, he's not necessarily underrated. He just doesn't isn't thought about very often. And I think he has a good blend of humor and action. I think he can do it well. And this looks like a movie that is kind of tongue in cheek, but still not afraid to be. Big and explosive. I like the casting of Army Hammer. I think that's smart. Yeah. I think Johnny Depp is going to have more fun than he's had in a long time. Whether we like that or not is another issue, but... uh, Isn't that all he's doing these days is having fun? I don't think so. I think he had fun in in Dark Shadows, but, like, I think... Yeah, Dark Shadows... I don't know. Like, I I was going to say Willy Wonka, but at that point, that's eight years ago. Yeah, I know. (laughs) Like, I I don't think he's had fun with Jack Sparrow in... You know, probably since the first or second film, I think he just knows what's expected of him, and he does it. Whereas this, it looks like he's trying to do something w- different. I don't think he had to do the fourth film, the fourth 
I'm pirates. Sh- no, 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 I'm sure he recognized, like, I'm going to p- get paid a lot of money <laughs> okay. to uh, do this thing I know how to do. Okay, now on to Pacific Rim. This is something that has come up before yeah. where I am, I could not be more ambivalent about this movie. So I will, apologies to uh, any douchebags who might be listening, I'll repeat my, this is the only episode I'm going to do this, I think. I appreciate that. Um, <laughs> why? Because you don't like me insulting the listeners, do you? No, I'm fine with it, but it's just like you know. And of course, this is me saying this. And I, uh-huh. if somebody says even if someone says a less than stellar word about me, I go to pieces. But still, it's just like the best way to deal with this man, who's probably not listening by now, <laughs> uh, in one in some way, shape, or form. Um, like the best way to deal with it is just ignore him because yeah. that's the best thing. No, for I know him. it's the best. Like, that would be the best thing if I were actually bothered by it. Okay, but I'm having fun. All right, fair. Okay, enough. so I repeat my feelings about Pacific Rim. The name Guillermo del Toro, as a director, not as a producer, Mm -hmm. uh, because I don't know what that means anymore because he produces so much stuff, and uh, Mama was just really, uh, really bad. Um, I never saw The Orphanage. He produced The Orphanage, right? The Orphanage is awesome. Okay. Um, Anyway, so the name Guillermo del Toro as a director gets me excited, but uh, I mean, giant robots fighting giant monsters is like a specifically engineered formula to like for not appealing to me <laughs> which is not yeah. like i don't i'm not making fun of it you know yeah. there's stuff i'll make fun of if yeah, that's you your, make, if that's you your thing make, you can make anything work uh yes and and also if that's your thing that's your thing and i have no problem with that but I'm, i just like there's my my brain has a tough time finding a way in but i am always with any movie open to the possibility that it will be good Did, I, I, I would just... go into like the marmaduke movie <laughs> thinking like there's a there's a chance you this never know be good. i i always do it so i will i will go into pacific rim with my mind open um but i am really torn because it just uh it seems so you know it's funny my complaint <laughs> here's the thing okay are you on instagram i don't think you are your wife is i think officially i am but i don't okay. use it because uh, i follow your wife um that's inappropriate and uh so you know a picture comes up and you like it Mm -hmm. or you scroll past it i generally i like this isn't a policy but it just sort of happened i realized i generally don't like pictures that have people in them i like food buildings pets mostly um some landscape stuff but a lot of that looks looks same samey you know i don't know like oh so the sky in louisiana looks like that and the sky in california looks like that tonight it's kind of all looks the same to me anyway it's funny that i don't that i don't like pictures with people in them because the exact thing that turns me off about a thing like pacific rim is the lack of humanity you know if it's just big non-human things punching each other yeah it just it almost feels like the movie might as well be punching me in the face i I don't care I have a theory about Pacific Rim. Uh, my theory is that it will end like uh, Julie Taymor's Titus, and it will be revealed that this was merely the fantasy of a young kid in his room making his dinosaur toys fight his Transformers. That's, that's my theory, uh-huh. and that would be pretty awesome. <laughs> All right. Um, uh, we already mentioned Fruitvale. I thought it was called Fruitvale Station. Okay, I guess it's just called Fruitvale. Hmm. Um, uh, have you heard about this? I think so. I think I think you were telling me about it, but now I it's don't recall. It's based on a, a true story about um, a young man in 
uh, Oakland, yes, who was, uh, what's what's the word? Incorrectly or unjustifiably shot and killed by police officers. Okay. Um, and Michael B. Jordan plays that guy, and it takes place all in the day of like it starts when he wakes mm. up in the morning and i guess leads up to, oh, his, to his death i love stuff like that <laughs> um and it, it uh, got a big response at sundance so i'm definitely very interested in food okay. um grown-ups 2 nope never saw the first one now you're interested in the wolverine right yeah sure it's james mangold who i like me too and it's written by um well, james mangold's name comes up i have to recommend people see heavy Okay, yeah. Because it's, it's like a compulsion with me because it's a movie that I think is really great and that not very many people saw. And it was written by Christopher McQuarrie. And it uh, sounds... The Wolverine was. Yes, not I'm heavy. sorry, not heavy, sorry. Um, and that's a big... I mean, I like James Mangold. That might be even more of um, yeah. a, a draw for me. The two of them together, Christopher I think. McQuarrie. Yeah. Because, you know, 310 to Yuma and Walk the Line, I think James Mangold has like... And, and I know that there are other movies he's done that are that are not as good, but like I think he is a good action director... I think he's good at uh, still, you know, touching in on character in the midst of action, um, and like, and get. And I don't know specifically what the story of the Wolverine is, but I am kind of a fan. I, you know, growing up, Wolverine was my favorite comic book character, and and I do know some of the things that happened to him over the course of the comic books in the last you know twenty twenty five years. And it sounds like they're going to be touching on some of that, which is very interesting to me. And so it could be interesting. Uh, it could not be. And no costume, which, yeah. um, you know, there are people like me, again, like with the Monsters and Robots thing. Yeah. It's not a judgment, but there is a bit of a mental block for me when people are wearing You costumes. need to see Iron Man 3. Yeah? Yeah. Okay. We'll um, talk more about that off air. But that's not, I don't think of, like, that's his weapon. I don't think of him as being in costume when he's in the the suit, because okay. that's his weapon. Right. Like, it, that, to me, there's like, oh, there's a reason. It's, it's his instrument. <laughs> yes there's a reason he's dressed like that yes but when like christian bale like has he has to frighten criminals so stupid <laughs> that's so stupid man I, that's, people are scared of bats and i like christopher nolan's batman films to varying degrees but it's like uh, again i don't want to sound snobbish but like they're not as smart as people treat them I agree with you. <laughs> like, there is just there is a thin veneer of smartiness laid like in, in dour seriousness laid over pretty standard preposterous superhero yeah. stuff. And I think and it and it has a willingness to explore things that other movies don't and and it explores it as thoroughly as it is able to. That is not the same as it being, you know, no country for old men. The Joker uh-huh. is not Anton Chigurh. Right. Like they are very similar, I, and I, Anton Chigurh also has a two faced quality to him. Um, but I think, like, uh, go ahead. But it's just it's one of those things where they're very well they're very well made films that I enjoy mm-hmm. a lot. But you know, and just but I remember um, you know no disrespect to uh, to Doug Benson, but I remember you know when Dark Knight came out that clearly to him was the pinnacle of cinematic achievement. Uh-huh. Like the way he talked about it, it's just like. Look, it's good, and I respond to it a lot. But like, you've got to be kidding me! Like, there's, there are, so many. Like, I I like that it explores some of this philosophy. You should tell 
Doug Benson to see The Passion of Joan of Arc. Yeah, maybe I'll throw that in there, yeah. <laughs> Send him an email. <laughs> I don't think he takes my emails. Um, I, be- I, still, I still really like Dark Knight. Yeah, but, I d- but yeah. While, while recognizing that um, it could... It could benefit from a softer touch in the uh, in the dialogue department. Yeah, it's it's pretty it's pretty clunky and uh, yeah, ham fisted. Yeah, which the which the nature of who the Joker is, he makes it work, which is why he's by far the most powerful part of that film. Um, moving on, sorry. moving on. Um, you mentioned Turbo. I don't know much about it. I guess it could be good. I don't know. Uh, my friend on the inside, who's been working on it for years, he's undercover. Yeah, uh, he. Uh, He's been working on it for years, and he's like... Hasn't uh, seen his family. <laughs> yeah, I know. His his <laughs> wife just had a kid, like, and she doesn't even know her father. But the... Uh, and he said, like, years ago, he's like, the script was bad. The movie was pretty bad, as far as I could tell. He's like, then just went through one change after another, after another. He's like, and now? He's like, we watched it. He's like, I've seen it in some way, shape, or form probably about 30 times. He's like... I might have lost perspective, but I will say I finally saw it. Like, done. Cannot be changed again. He's like, and it's it's pretty good now. Oh, good. So, and just like, so it went, it's a movie that apparently was terrible and now is pretty good. All right, Smurfs 2. Who gives a shit? Despicable Me 2. I saw the first one and, like uh, it? yeah, it was fine. I know a lot of people liked it. I didn't see it. Yeah. But sorry, are you going to see the second one? Uh, no, of course not. Okay. Um, the Way, Way Back. I don't know what that is. It's from. Um, it's directed by Nat Faxon and Jim Rash, who oh, okay, yes. wrote The Descendants, right? Yeah. Um, it just, and this isn't just because it's Steve Carell and Tony Collette, but it just feels like it's going to have that Little Miss Sunshine thing, like the Sundance success that is one of those movies. It's movies that sort of, I don't know, independent in name only, or only by the thinnest definition. That that just uh, it's going to be the the indie success that maybe people's moms will like. We, I feel like we're denigrating our moms. I know my mom like listens to the show sometimes, so I'm I'm talking about the sort of Sorry, the theoretical mom, yeah. you know. Well, I um, will say I don't. Okay, comedically, I have never seen Jim Rash step wrong. I saw him at the Groundlings back before he was like known. I've seen him on Community. I like what he did with the descendants. Um, I even like what he did when he uh, accepted his Oscar and he openly mocked uh-huh. Angelina Jolie and yeah. her silly attempt at being sexy. Uh-huh. Um, although I guess she's, she's kind of undone that now. And I don't well, say that. No, she's still going to be sexy. No, no, I mean, just obviously she will be. But I mean, like, there's this other thing and like, she is more concerned about being like, Alive with her children right. and her husband. She and now. Re- I see what you mean. Re- she she represents. She is. She is. She is something else now. Before she's a sex symbol. Yes, I see what you're saying. And yes. she and she knows, but she's still a working actress. And she knew that she's going to be. People will applaud her, and there will be people that give her a lot of shit and make awful jokes about her. And she's. I don't want to think about it. Yeah, it's it's awful, but like. She's willing to do that. So that's kind of awesome. But, like, it doesn't seem like something that someone who did that at the Oscars, where she kind of, like, spread her leg a little bit and, like, showed some leg and, and kind of gave this look, like, yeah, that's right. Angela and Jolie's still here. And just, like, and so um, 
and so for her to go so far in the other direction, I think is kind of awesome. Okay, uh, the Conjuring. I saw some stuff at. You can listen to me talk about it. Uh, yeah. The WonderCon episode. It looks stupid. I'm, you know, horror, like haunted house movies that are based on a true story. Like that's a big eye roll yeah. for me. But I'm also interested in. I don't know. I've been really interested in, um, these sort of urban legends that I, as a skeptic and rational person, just flat out don't believe in. Mm-hmm. But I've like. Past couple weeks, I've read a lot about Bigfoot, and it is some fascinating stuff. You know what movie you need to see? No, the Bigfoot, Lost the Lost Coast no. tapes. No, I don't care about that. But like, there is some fascinating stuff out there about Bigfoot, and specifically about the Patterson Gimlin film, which is the uh, the film you think of when mm-hmm. you think of Bigfoot with the big like yeah. loping stride. The Zapruder film of Bigfoot. That's oh, that that's what made me start thinking about it. Is that Bobcat Goldthwait is making a Bigfoot film, and he was on Danny Gould's podcast talking about it. That was the impetus for me um, getting into Bigfoot. And now, when you, exactly say he's making, he's, when you say he's making a Bigfoot film, what do you mean? It seems like it's a... A movie that uh, about people searching for Bigfoot or a movie about Bigfoot? I don't really remember. It's been okay. a while since I listened to the interview. Uh, you know what? I, I'm, I'm more... Let me put it this way. I'm looking forward to that movie <laughs> more than any movie we've talked about so far. <laughs> All right. Um, what about Only God Forgives? It's the new Nicholas Vinding Refn. Oh. Yeah, he's also with Ryan Gosling, which isn't a big draw for me, but Kristen Scott Thomas is I'm a big fan of. Why don't Kristen you like Scott Ryan Gosling? I don't dislike him, but he's not a draw for me. I think he's. I think he can be a draw for me, depending on the on the role. Like I, I do like him. I think he can be good. It's it's. I think his best performance that I've seen. I haven't seen all his mm-hmm. films. His best performance is in a movie that I don't think is very good, which is Crazy Stupid Love. Hmm. If if that were just. If you could, if you just watch the Ryan Gosling, Emma Stone stuff in Crazy yeah. Stupid Love, it's it's an it's one of the best rom coms. Okay, you throw in the Steve Carell stuff, and specifically the Ryan Gosling Steve Carell scenes, and yeah. it's just really really dumb. <laughs> I keep using that word, but just really unimaginative, really contrived. Yeah, and just very obvious. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, yeah. I like I. I do like him in Half Nelson a lot. I mean, obviously, that's yeah. the movie he was nominated for, but he's he's very good in that. Um, specifically, like, you know, it takes... That that actually movie is a movie that is not obvious, especially with his performance, because it would have mm-hmm. been really easy kind of to steer into the angsty skid, and he chooses not to, and yeah. I like that a lot. Moving on. Okay, uh, Red 2. I thought Red was okay. It, it, it got less good as it went along, yeah. which is probably what makes me think that Red 2 will not be good. If I feel it continues like, the trend of the first film, yeah. it, it will not be very good. Yeah, and based on the idea that like uh, the second film will like expound on things in the first one, it's just like, well, that first one expounded on stuff quite a bit, and it kind of <laughs> turned into this goofy, cartoonish, not that that's necessarily a bad thing, but like it turned into this thing, and now this just looks like it's going to just be swinging for the fences, which, again, not necessarily a bad thing, but given the first one, it's just like, this is just going to be... Like really, kind of giving people what they think they want. Yeah, and I if, feel if like you can find a way to be imaginative and ridiculous, which is what the best, like the early stuff in Red, like the hand-to-hand fight between Bruce Willis and Carl Urban, where they're like they're hitting each other with yeah. coffee tables. Yeah. The um, the putting uh, of bullets in a frying pan and like uh, yes, that's awesome. I love that. 
John Malkovich shooting the rocket launcher and, at at the at the lady. That's um, all right. I didn't care and, much for John Malkovich's character, but um, and then the best thing in the movie, even though it's physically impossible, it's the best thing in the movie is him throwing the emergency brake on, stepping calmly out of the car with guns blazing <laughs> while the car is skid- skidding. It's ridiculous. Like it would hit him, and like it would, it's impossible to do. Yeah, but it is it awesome. It's pretty great. If it has stuff like that, then it will have then we'll have that 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 level of fun which yeah. i enjoyed but as red went on like all that stuff is in like the first half and as it goes on the fight it's not it, it stops being imaginative fights it's just like you introduce helen mirren and it's like all right like they did fun stuff with yeah. with john malkovich they did fun stuff with bruce willis what fun thing are they going to do with helen mirren oh she's just going to stand in a parking garage firing a machine gun like there's no there's no creativity to to yeah, her yeah it's the film i think became eventually self-satisfied as if to say like be like this whole conceit is pretty great <laughs> i think right uh-huh. I, it's helen mirren the queen firing a gun yeah come on yeah like that does seem to be that's what the vibe i got and this one by incorporating like anthony, anthony hopkins, hopkins it's yeah. just i think it's going to be more of that which i mean anthony hopkins it's not like you know I, I like Anthony Hopkins in a lot of stuff, but he's mm-hmm. not John Gielgud. Like he he does a no. lot of really pulpy, trashy yeah. type of stuff, and he can and he can do it really well. Yeah, and there's nothing like, wrong with that. Yeah. You know, like I don't know if you ever saw Fracture. Speaking of Ryan Gosling, I didn't. Like it's not there's not it's not that great, but it's it's a fun movie to watch unfold. It's a well told little sort of like yeah. mystery thing. Um, and but it, but it's you know it's real. Uh, it's it's real light on yeah i don't know import i but saw the wolfman he's fun. and i saw him <laughs> right. in that and it, so i like again i i keep feeling like i need to make sure i'm not insulting like i don't think that anthony hopkins choosing pulp or genre roles makes him lesser what i'm saying is him being in red isn't like some huge mind-blowing thing nor was it with helen mirren right you know it, it's uh, again, you'd, you'd have to get someone like a. Uh, I don't. I don't even know who at this point. Yeah, I said I John Gilgood, but he might. Yeah, be. well, I think between Lord of the Rings and Harry Potter, I think every older, distinguished uh, British actor or actress uh, has. I think they've been tapped. I think they got it. Yeah, I was. I was about to say Charles Dance, having forgotten. He's on Game last, of last action hero. Oh. But he's on Game of Thrones now, and oh, okay. he's amazing. I, all right, time out oh, for man. me to talk about Game of Thrones real quick. Oh, I'm sorry. Talking about Game of Thrones real quick. I am going to make it. Have quick. you ever spoken to anybody about Game of oh, Thrones? Oh, that's part of the. That's okay. part of the reason. It's kind of like what I was saying about Christopher Nolan's uh, Batman films. Oh, you're like, going the other way with it. Okay, they're good. They're not that good. Okay, and they're not that smart. Is the thing. Game of Thrones can be really smart in in like um there are okay let's talk about Deadwood another HBO show I was hoping you bring that up which is smart in multiple ways mm-hmm. it was it was a, a, a very smart in the sense that it was very insightful mm-hmm. you know um about about humanity and and how we relate to one another and how uh, and how good and bad things come from that and something oftentimes good things come from the bad things and it had a lot of insight and then it was also smart in the way that it would set up these little like almost like dominoes like you'd follow like 
oh, this thing relates to this thing, and like all this politics and scheming and and people being opportunistic. And Game of Thrones is really good at that second part. Mm-hmm. It's not as good as the at the first part as people seem to treat it as. It's not one of television's great dramas. It is not going to go down in history, at least in my book, as one of television's great dramas. It's it's a high mid level TV show. Well, and, I do think, and this. Oh, go ahead. And um, the performances are great. Mm-hmm. And Charles Dance, who's been a much bigger part of this season than the first two, he doesn't even show up in the first season until almost the end of it. Um, Charles Dance is a perfect example of that. Um, it, 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 he's he, he's fantastic. I don't want to take anything away from the show. Mm-hmm. I just want to take things away from the people who are treating that show like it's better than it is. It's not. It's not The Sopranos, and it's not Deadwood, and it's not Buffy the Vampire Slayer, or The Wire. You hate yeah. The Wire, though. I don't hate The Wire, <laughs> but I would also, for some similar and some different reasons, also consider The Wire a high mid level TV drama. Yeah, there's a. Uh, yeah, we can't get into that, but like it's. Yeah, there's. I think. I think people, maybe rightfully so. I think they, and I'm sure I do it too. Sometimes ambition is enough. Like a, a, a film that is like with with the Dark Knight. I think the highest compliment I can pay it um, is that it is willing to. It is eager to d- use the superhero genre to explore things that, in many ways, have nothing to do with the superhero genre. But have it, but can, but still working within that and making it work. So, like, and that may seem like a lot of hemming and hawing for the highest compliment I can pay. But like, <laughs> but it's willing. It it could have been content to just be like, all right, we're just going to make another Batman movie that's more serious than Joel Schumacher and still stylistic. Done. It could have done that. Right. But it wants to do more. And so, like with Game of Thrones, like having only seen a single episode, which I liked the first um, episode, the first one. Okay. Um. The. Uh, you know, it's like the scale and the scope of it. It's so much bigger than like a lot of TV. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a very expensive show. Yeah. Rumor and has like, it that season two, episode nine, Blackwater is the most expensive hour of television ever produced. That's what was the rumor. I don't think they've actually disclosed anything. But. Okay. And just, yeah, like, I mean, it's, I mean, people talk about the budget all the time and just like, and that it's so, so perfectly like creates this world completely and just, I think people are willing to say like it is this is the most amazing thing because it's really trying to do something and mostly doing it and that's great and I think anytime a show wants to do something different or do something more and is un- and doesn't want to merely work within its resources but wants to push the boundaries of what it is able to do I think people respond to that and that's not a bad instinct but I think in doing so they might give a movie or a film or a book or whatever um a movie or a TV show or a book, like more credit than it mm-hmm. is due. Like they might give something an A when it's really a B plus yeah. or something. And also one more thing about Game of Thrones and, you know, these these nerds so quick to turn their back on Lost because they didn't like the way it ended. Game of Thrones is nowhere near as good as Lost. Lost is a much better show than Game of Thrones. Oh, all right. All right. Hey, look, that guy's back. <laughs> <laughs> all right. And he's got uh, something to say. Moving on. R.I.P.D. I haven't seen from any... the director of Red because he is not directing Red Two. Oh, okay. Robert, Robert Schwinnke. It's Dean Pariso, who I know that name, but I can't think of what I know it from. Okay, uh, Robert Schwinnke is directing R.I.P.D. 
I don't know. It's kind of a neat idea, and you could do a lot worse than casting Jeff Bridges in a lead role that's really strange and funny and and uh-huh. violent. Like, but maybe they're trading too much on his uh, Rooster Cogburn. I don't know, but it's uh, I'm it's interesting. It's, it could be good. Okay, let's move on to August. Uh, Elysium. We've talked, uh, I think, about yes. or at least about um, Neil Blomkamp. Yeah, I saw the first trailer for it uh, last night. I haven't seen an official trailer, but I saw what they showed at Comic Con last year. Okay, yeah, and it's uh, it looks like it'll be good, but it looks like you know um, our friend uh, friend of the show writer all around nice guy Kyle Anderson. Uh, he tweeted something about Oblivion that I thought was interesting and kind of fun. He's like, I think he said. Oblivion is a really good science fiction movie. It is also every science fiction movie. (laughs) And that's kind of, it's like uh, uh, Elysium, like I think it's, I think it'll be really good. I also think it's really not going to bring anything new to the conversation, which is different than District 9. District 9, though there's stuff about it we don't like, I think by having it take place in a different area than we as Americans are used to seeing, um, and by getting us to sympathize with, you know, we we did that with, like, you know, E.T. and stuff. But, like, having these admittedly not good-looking, kind of gross-looking aliens uh-huh. that it, it would be hard to sympathize with, really. Like, and they are who we like. And having yeah. our main character be that guy yeah. instead of a, a Matt Damon type. The District Man almost falls into that same trap as War of the Worlds and, and I Am Legend, mm-hmm. where, I, where, where I'd like to discount the third act. Except that I think District 9 pulls it back together for the for the end yes i, I think, think so. it just has this sort of i guess climax of the film i don't like very much but then mm-hmm. when it gets to the sort of denouement or whatever it gets back to what's important and and so district nine has a better reputation in my memory than i am legend or war of the worlds yeah because it did pull it together at the end yeah and it just and, Ale- and so it what it does it looks like elysium is like like it has you know points to make about like you know the rich and the poor and all that and it's like and, and I'm, I'm sympathetic to to some of those uh, uh, opinions, but at the same time, it's just like, yeah, all right, science fiction and talking about like how the rich are doing better. It's been done before, and frankly, I, I don't think he's a an interesting enough director that he's going to transcend that. But it it yeah. it'll probably be fine. Um, I'm gonna skip We're the Millers because I don't know anything about it. Okay, um, Don John. What is that? It's the it's starring and directed by Joseph Gordon-Levitt. Okay. He's like a sex addict, I think. All right. I don't know. Scarlett Johansson's in it. It also, I think, was at Sundance and I think had good notices. I don't have much to say is about it, it. Let me ask you this. I, and I won't try to spend too much time on this. Is it shitty of me that any time an actor directs a movie, I... Like when I find out an actor has directed something, my shoulders immediately slump and I become, I'm going to say 15% less interested. No, I think that's probably about right. Like in theory, I should be open to whatever. And you know, there are, there are actors that have become directors and they're great. Yeah. Do you feel differently if the actor is not in the movie? Does that help? Yes. Yes. Yeah. I think, uh, I think it does for me too. Yeah. I'm generally more interested in, in a, in a Clint Eastwood movie that yeah. doesn't have Clint Eastwood in it yeah. most of the time. Although there yeah. are exceptions. Might be why I like Gone Baby Gone more than The Town and Argo. Um, oh, yeah, yeah. 
but it's just uh, uh, I didn't see the town, but yeah. Wait, what was the last Clint Eastwood movie? He did. Uh, oh hell, there was something really recent, right? He was in no, he was in trouble with the curve, but yeah, he's. I mean, he. It's a. He's directed something regular. since here, hereafter, right? Yeah, I mean, he did. Uh, when did he did? Uh, when did he do? Invictus. He did Invictus. Invictus. I didn't like that very much. Yeah. All right. Never mind. And I did actually like uh, the one where he's the crotchety old man. Uh, Grand Grand Torino. Torino. Yeah, I, I like, like that, that too. Um, okay, so moving on from Don John to The World's End, one of my three most anticipated movies of the year. Yeah. It's the, the, I guess, the final piece of Edgar Wright's uh, trilogy that started with Shaun of the Dead and continued with Hot Fuzz. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's got an awesome awesome cast it's of course nick frost and simon pegg but also uh eddie marsan oh i like him and the great martin freeman from the the british office and most recently from uh well i guess hobbit but (laughs) most recently good from bbc sherlock it should be noted he's great in the hobbit i i think he's do you think he is the whole time Pretty much, yeah. I think it's a bad screenplay. I, I don't know. That's I agree, but he manages to take, make a consistent, believable, sympathetic, though not always right, character, like spun out of these like disparate elements and just mm-hmm. like he manages to do that simply by the force of his performance, which by the way is not a forceful performance. Yeah, and I I think he's. Marvelous. He yeah. he far exceeded my expectations. You, you have, have you watched any of Sherlock? Oh yeah, I've seen I've seen all of it. He's here's what's so great because in many ways he is playing a I don't want to say the Martin Freeman characters if he plays the same character every time, but there's right. a ty- there's a Martin Freeman type of character who's yeah. usually a little bit um, uh, less active, mm-hmm. you know, or less proactive, you know, and that was that was sort of um, Tim's fatal flaw i think yeah. for much of the office and is almost the defining trait of of bill billow that he is yeah. inactive um maybe a little bit like uh cautious mm-hmm. you know uh maybe a little more soft-spoken he is he is in many ways playing that with watson but he's also totally selling under the surface that this is a guy who's been to war yeah because watson is someone who was uh, yeah. injured in afghanistan uh it was yeah afghanistan yeah um like you're totally buying that this guy can be a badass. Yeah, that he is that he is able to do things. Yeah, and frankly, like up until recently, it has never been assumed that Watson can do anything. <laughs> I mean, like it's he he had been to war and he was a doctor, so he was able to do those things. But it's like, who gives a shit once Sherlock Holmes is around? <laughs> right. But like with the recent films, uh, the guy the guy Ritchie, guy Ritchie films, and then this, like they really want to make this more of a partnership is where um, he has a part to play quick question this is not on our main topic at all because i haven't seen the guy Ritchie films okay. is mycroft holmes a character in the guy Ritchie films he shows up in the second one and he is not used well i don't i'm not happy with any any version of mycroft i'm fascinated with the character of mycroft holmes. you don't like the mycroft in the bbc one because that's a he's, that's he's, a big variation i think on who mycroft is given that he like he works for the government in uh, Well, no, he works for the government. In, he does? in the in the stories. Okay. Uh, or as they uh, as they do make reference to in the in the series that he is the government. That he's kind of the guy okay. in the back room. But what they've 
basically, and this, you know what? This goes back to what we were talking about. Like, when I know who Mycroft is in the stories and what he could be in the series, in the movies, he is every bit as smart as Sherlock Holmes, but in a different way. Uh-huh. He's intuitively smart. So in the stories, there would be times when when Holmes would seek out his brother, not necessarily for advice, but for information that he, being a high-up government official, has access to. Uh-huh. And Mycroft would say, oh, this is who did it. Uh-huh. And Sherlock Holmes is like, how do you know that? He's like, well, if you just, it's like obvious. He's like, you don't have any facts at your disposal. <laughs> He's like, yes, I know I don't. But, but how do you look at this situation and not see that? He's like, you don't, and just, it's two different types of smart. And but the fact the, that they're like, I don't, go, I'm sorry, go on. Isn't the great thing about TV that we could get there on Sherlock? Like, yeah, oh, we absolutely. Could, we could explore these elements yeah. of Mycroft. Yeah. I still like this version of Mycroft. I like it a lot. And and the and there's a really great scene where where it's a, a, another character is seen as dead, and they're standing out in the hallway, and they see like, and they're like in a morgue, and they see like another family that is grieving over like their their dead loved one, and so they're just standing in the hallway, just watching. Neither of them feel any emotion at all, uh-huh. and they both. And they have a brief moment where they say, like, so it's, it's like, how, it's like, how are other people, how do they do this? You know, and just, mm-hmm. and it's a nice moment where you're reminded that they are brothers, and though they may be at odds frequently, they are more similar than you would think. Okay. Moving on. Moving Sorry. On. We already mentioned planes. Uh, the to do list I've seen, but I, I might be under embargo. I don't remember. So I can't really tell. But there'll be a review when it comes out. Um, do you have any thoughts on the to do list? I can't immediately remember what it is. It's Aubrey Plaza. Uh, oh that yes okay like uh sexual um achievement she wants to achieve over the course of a summer it could be interesting partially like if for no other reason than because like you have uh like a a woman in that lead role and so it's her exploring her sexuality but it's also frankly by casting aubrey plaza Mm -hmm. a woman who you know, you don't immediately jump to like, oh, she would be interested in in this sort of thing. Like, uh-huh. she seems kind of, you know, unlike Parks and Rec, she does have kind of. This might sound mean. She seems almost asexual, even though the character is not. Um, and uh, so, by having it be a woman and then having it be, I'd say, kind of unconventional casting, I think it could be pretty interesting. Okay, the Mortal Instruments, City of Bones. Didn't you see? Yeah, I, I, I was late to... for it. I didn't see the the I, thing, the panel. I went to the panel at, at WonderCon. Um... I don't know when when something is called something like this, sort of like uh, what is it, Percy and the Olympians. Percy Jackson and the Olympians, the, the lightning, lightning thief. thief. Like when from the g- the beginning, it's a thing we most of us have never heard of, yeah. and yet is clearly they're already telling us this is just the first one. Yeah, it makes me wary. Meanwhile, there has not yet been another Master and Commander movie, and I would love it. Yeah, Master and Commander, the Far Side of the World. Yeah, yeah. that yeah, that would be great, but. It just, I'm just, I, I don't want to, you know, I, I don't know anything about these. The, uh, the, um, footage they showed at WonderCon was really bland, like really unremarkable and generic. Probably, yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, when I, when I, uh, interned at Larger Than Life Films, which is Gary Ross's, uh, company, uh, I interned there in 2007. And part of what I did is I would seek out any, like any new book reviews or anything like that 
looking for anything that would be a certain type of book. And he and like so many other companies, he was looking for things that could be series, mm-hmm. things that maybe like this was like the second or third book, like get in early in a series and then something that is geared towards age 18 and younger. Mm-hmm. And so like so I found any number of things. And of course, it's worth noting that he got Hunger Games and it's because he really lo- locked into that. And so between like and I think between Twilight and Harry Potter like just so many yeah. So many companies are looking for the next one of these. And by the way, there is going to be another Percy Jackson even though the first one I think didn't do yeah. very well. It's weird how like I'm not sure what it is that like some of them um like Percy Jackson or like wasn't there one like The Seeker something Night of the Seeker or something like that? Oh hell, I don't like, know. Like those those ones we seem to know that we're not to take them seriously from the word go. But with the Hunger Games and with like the upcoming Divergent, I think it's called, like there's already a sort of aura of uh like this is serious stuff mm-hmm. to them. And I don't know if it's because like the books are better received. Uh, I mean Hunger Games is certainly read by people other than the quote unquote target audience. Oh, very much uh, so, yeah. You know, I read the first one. I didn't think it was I thought it was okay. Yeah. I actually like the movie better. Um, but, uh, I don't know that, uh, I, you know, I don't see adults on the subway reading Mortal Instruments books. Right. And that's, and I do think that like, this is the, if it isn't already, like this is going to be like the new superhero genre is the young adult based on a series we can get, it's like, we can easily get five movies out of this right? and each one is going to do and better also, than the last. And also you can, because of, because it's, you're trading on a name of a series. Mm-hmm. And you need someone young. You can cast unknowns and shackle them to seven film yeah. contracts that aren't going to cost you that much. Yeah. Even if the films become massively successful. No. I hate talking about business stuff because it makes me sad. It's part right. of it. The spectacular now. Um, another one that got a lot of good press um, from uh, Sundance, um, and I'm interested in it because you don't see a lot of films about high school teenage alcoholics. You don't hmm. see, like, even though that's a thing, certainly. Yeah, I was actually, I don't, who was I talking to? I was talking to somebody who, uh, oh, I know somebody who is 25 and says that he's, like, been a recovering alcoholic for, like, like four or five years. Uh-huh. And and this is how, you know, and I feel bad for thinking this, but part of me is just like, you can't be an alcoholic at 18. You're not, even, you're not old enough to be an alcoholic. You're just, ex- like, you, you um, just have a drinking problem. That's the, vice, all. the vice president from the West Wing. Yeah. Quit drinking his freshman year of college. Yeah. And that was exactly Bradley Whitford's initial reaction when he found that out. Yeah. Bradley, Bradley Whitford's character, Josh Lyman. It could have been Bradley Whitford's reaction. Yeah. Who knows? Yeah. Um, but I'm also interested in The Spectacular now because people who have seen it are really into Miles Teller's performance. And I didn't see... Is it called Rabbit Hole? The one with Nicole Kidman? Yeah, I didn't see it. I didn't see that. Um, I didn't see Project X. Um, apparently there's a small role in that. Mm. But I did see... 21, over, 21 and over, and uh, as I mentioned two hours ago, and uh, I didn't think that much of him, but people who have seen this film are really into Miles Teller's performance, so hmm. I'm interested. I'm definitely, my interest is peaked. There is something to be said about like, the the role of like, of an alcoholic, a struggling alcoholic. It's like, it's been done a lot, but there is something interesting about when a young person yeah. plays that, because yeah. you don't 
you can't rely on like looking old and grizzled. Like you just have to <laughs> evoke yeah. that somebody on their way down, but they're not there yet. Yeah. Um, I'm definitely interested in Lovelace. Um, and I'll tell you why, because I'm a big fan of Amanda Seyfried and have been for a long time. Mm-hmm. And I think it's a movie that I am really interested in seeing, but I'm also kind of scared to see because I know it will upset me because the life of Linda Lovelace was really, really terrible. I, I do not. Uh, She's I, the star of Deep Throat. Right. Um, which she did that in some other uh, pornographic films. Um, mostly, uh, it was later came out mostly against her will. Uh, she was doing these things. Um, I mean, there are rumors. Maybe these particular rumors are exaggerations, but that, like, there are shots of Deep Throat where there's literally a gun pointed, like, off off screen. That's what, like, people say. I know it was bankrolled by the mob, yeah. but, like... Deep Throat is, like, in terms of percentage, one of the most profitable films ever made. Yeah. The people who made it saw none of that. I'm not surprised. They did not become rich off of Deep Throat. Yeah. All right. Um, I don't think anybody did, really. But yeah, Lovelace, it's Amanda Seyfried and uh, Peter Sarsgaard. So that's uh, that's pretty cool. Yeah. Um, apparently, Sharon Stone, Chris Noth, and James Franco also show up in it. Okay. Okay. Prince Avalanche, David Gordon Green's new film. All right. That's enough to make me interested. Is it? Because it's not The Sitter? Yeah, kind of. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I didn't see this. Anymore. Unless it is, is it is it the sitter yeah, no, or is it looks like something else? It's called Prince Avalanche. Yeah, <laughs> uh, it's Paul Rudd and Emil Hirsch. All right. Um, another movie that got some good press from Sundance was Ain't Them Bodies Saints. I don't really know much about it, but I know it's Rooney Mara and Casey Affleck, and I like them. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I think I I heard about that, and it sounded really interesting to me. I don't remember what it was about, but I think I read uh, about it. An escaped convict tears across Texas to reunite with his wife and former accomplice, whose Bonnie and Clyde days seem far behind her. That sounds great to me. Especially, I I'm Wait, always excited no. when Casey Affleck gets work. Yeah, he's cool. I like him. All right. Um, Kickass Two. Do you have anything to say about it? I do. Okay. Uh, mostly, I don't care. <laughs> and I and I do like the I do like the first. I one. chose to say I don't care by not having anything to say about. Okay, it. <laughs> I'm a, well. That's why I said mostly. Uh, I I think the first one is pretty good, and this other one could be good. It, it could be interesting. But I tell you what, based on the trailer, I don't know if you've seen the trailer. The, it looks like Jim Carrey is doing amazing things in it. Oh, I did see because I'm a sucker for a red band trailer. I did see that, and that was yeah. very entertaining. Like, it's just, like, not merely, like, just the... And also, certain choices they make with the way he looks. He looks weather-beaten. He's got bad teeth. In many ways, he's a, he's almost like a uh, an extroverted Rorschach, you know? Like, <laughs> yeah. And and just the idea that he just is, is a, an abs- a real psychopath. And uh, and I'm, ex- I'm... I might see... I probably won't see it in the theater, but, like, I might see the movie just for that. And maybe I'll be wrong to do so, but I always like when an actor that you that doesn't take a lot of risks risks like finally does something interesting because they want to mm-hmm. and they see the opportunity. So, and he's an actor that when he when he takes a risk, when he really sinks his teeth into something, like you you can get something special, like in you know Cable Guy and stuff. Okay, uh, Percy Jackson's Sea of Monsters. That's what it's called. It's directed by someone named Thor Freudenthal. <laughs> I like that. I might see it now. Um, 300 Rise of an Empire. Yeah, it's. I don't know if it's. 
Is it a sequel? Because doesn't it take place concurrently with three hundred? Oh, I don't. I don't know. I think it. I think it does. But that's the thing. Is like if it's about well, how's it about the how is it about the rise of? Is it about rise of a different empire? It's about the Persians, isn't it? Okay. Isn't or no? Hold on. No, you know what? I don't care. Well, the thing okay, about Rodrigo Santoro and Lena Headey reprised their roles okay. as per- Persian god king Xerxes and Spartan queen Gorgo. This is from Darren Franich's write-up in Entertainment Weekly. Uh, I don't care. Yeah. Yeah, don't care. Um, the, the thing, the thing, I, just going by the title and having seen the last three hundred, uh, I don't. I'm not remarkably interested in seeing the rise of any of these empires. Like, because uh-huh. I'm not going to be happy with any of it. Like, it sounds awful to me. All right. Uh, two Guns. I don't know why I'm mentioning it other than that I saw Baltasar Cormacur's last film, Contraband. Oh, okay. Which I didn't uh, care that much for. Um, do you have anything to say about I, it? I saw a trailer for You know, it's weird. I actually don't seek out trailers very much, but I guess I just saw the right blend of movies in the last few months yeah um i saw a trailer for it. it looks it looks like a nice buddy movie denzel washington can have chemistry with almost anybody and did you see safe house i didn't it's i, I heard it's pretty good it's it's worth watching yeah and it's not great but it's definitely worth a watch and i like and the premise sounds interesting and i just i think it could be a a fun just a, a fun action movie with like comedic elements and i don't know it's it looked interesting to me okay uh your next is a film that i've been hearing about for a year and a half as being really great because i guess it played fantastic fest a year and a half ago which one is your next it's the home invasion horror movie um starring very recent friend of the show aj bowen who was on with a oh, okay. uh, uh, guest host susan burke um because of aj bowen being a friend of the show i want to say that your next is going to be great and i've only heard good things about it okay but but my familiarity with the director, Adam Wingard, comes from having seen VHS, VHS 2, and ABCs of Death. And his entry in VHS 2 is decent. Okay. It's one of the lesser ones in the film, but it's decent. I didn't like his stuff in VHS or ABCs of Death. That's all I know of him. So I'm not, I don't know. It's Maybe it's like a Pacific Rim situation where I'm hearing, or like I have one reason to be super excited and then other reasons to be super wary. Yeah. Hmm. All right. Um, we're almost done here. Actually, we might be done, um, unless if there's anything. Yeah, if anything jumps out at you, just say uh, it. Nah. Okay. There's a documentary about One Direction, the band. Oh. I don't know. I don't know if I'm using the word band correctly. I guess they're a group. Oh, they okay. Play instruments, right? Or maybe they do. I don't know anything about them. I see them on magazines when I'm at the store, and I buy them, of course. The magazines. Oh, right away. No, no question about it. Yeah, I, like in <laughs> like in that movie, Happiness. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, wasn't Taylor Swift going out with one of the guys from One Direction? I don't. Uh, I don't know. What do you? So when you seriously, when you are in line at a at a grocery store, do you uh, read the covers of tabloids? Do you know what I do? What? I decide which which gum am I going to try. You buy so a I, gum every time you're at the grocery store? Not every time, but probably every third time. Huh. And it's just like, let's try this. Because there's, there, the, we are in a golden age of gum right now. Because every asshole decides they want to put out a new kind of gum. And it's just like, it's like, hey, here's a little uh, container with gum cubes. Um, it's very strange. Uh, 
I think I'm paraphrasing a joke that I made on Twitter a couple of years ago, but we need to get people who are working on like AIDS research in touch with the people who are working on gum packaging. <laughs> there is so much innovation going on in the field of gum packaging. Yeah, it was it lay dormant for years. <laughs> yeah. It was just that cube. Yeah. And just like, all right, pull this little red thing, pull off the top, and then I just pull this out. Uh oh, I remember the fake gum. Where like you pull it out, no, it snapped on your finger. It's a, like in a trick <laughs> right. So it's like you can't do that with these new packages. No, now it's like the it's they're made like those magic wallet things, or <laughs> like yeah, they got all sorts of compartments. Yeah, and then like they they make these little. Th- this is the note we are going out on, everybody. Uh-huh. This is ridiculous. <laughs> but like the other day, I bought I bought a little thing. It's like this big. I'm sorry. It's maybe it's like a it's inch- actually a Zippo. Oh, smaller than that. Much smaller smaller than that. that. But about as flat as that. Okay. And so I I was just like, what the hell is this? Now it's 50 cents. I'll buy it. And (laughs) and what it was, it was just like six six trident pieces. (laughs) And I was just like, what the the hell are you trying to do? You know that right next to it, there's like a 20-piecer for 50 cents more. And it's not like... The bigger one is not like it. It's not too big to travel. This isn't right. like like Trident on the go. Like, <laughs> like, look, I recognize skinny jeans are a big deal right now. But how skinny do those jeans need to be? Where it's just like I can't have this twelve piecer, but I still yeah. want my breath to be fresh. Right. Ah. All right. This was a fun episode. Um, you can find us at battleshippretension.com. Uh, you can email us. Uh, David at BattleshipRetention.com or Tyler at BattleshipRetention.com. You can follow me on Twitter at The Pretension. Follow Tyler on Twitter at More Lessons. That's the official Twitter of his other podcast, More Than One Lesson, which is at MoreThanOneLesson.com. My other podcasts are Previously On and Hey Watch This with Paul and David, both of which you can listen to straight from the Battleship Pretension homepage uh, when new episodes go up. Um, is there anything else? What do I usually say here? Thank you for listening. And we'll get you next time. Bye. Bye. This program is a proud member of the Battleship Pretension Fleet. 